Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, July the 15th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hi. Mr. Bob Ryer. Yo. And on the line with Ms. Stephanie Cook. Hi, hi, hi. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, Big, big week. San Diego Comic-Con was this past uh, weekend, and... uh, Lots of news uh, came out of that, as, as to be expected. Lots and lots of movie news and even some comic book news, too, that we will be able to talk about. Um, some trailer news, especially. we got some big trailers to talk about. Um, of course, we're going to be doing our, our shared book of the week, which is uh, Archie number 1 from Fiona Staples and Mark Wade uh, relaunching the uh, the Archie brand for the first time in 74 years or something yeah. of that matter, uh, which I learned from looking at this New York Times According story. According to Bob's newspaper. Th- yes. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that Bob brought in. So uh, we've got that to talk about as well, and uh, many, many more comic books to, to chat about. Uh, Bob, how was your week? Slow so far. <laughs> A little bit wonky. Got a little bit of that vertigo thing back that kept mm-hmm. me out of an episode. Mm-hmm. Well, most of an episode, I phoned in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> phoned in. I, know, I rolled over in bed, and the room was spinning, and I had done nothing to get myself into that condition, which at least you could say, well, I got drunk. <laughs> no, I just <laughs> rolled over and got sick. It's like, Ugh. Right. Uh, it, well, here in New York, it is humid and damp and miserable. Truth. And it's not hot. We haven't had a 90-degree day in, what, 780 days or some <laughs> crazy number? But it is... It's like swimming when you're outside. It's like walking through jello. Yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. You just sort of slog through it. It's raining right now. Maybe that'll help. Yes. It poured a little bit today. Yeah. How are you doing, Stephanie? I'm tired, but I'm I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I I worked a very long day today. <sighs> it's it's my Monday. I have Sunday Mondays off now, so Tuesday has become my my Monday and I'm just Yeah. Hmm. Sleepy. I, I've had a lot of coffee though over the weekend. Um, I I kept forgetting to make. Not kept forgetting. I just procrastinate. I press snooze a lot. I, I'm sure this surprises <laughs> a lot of you. Um, and so I I made, I pre-made coffee. I made caramel latte, um, popsicles, Ooh. so that I could just take them on the go and have caffeine on the go for, um, this heat. Um, I started riding my bike, my my red Tim Hortons bike. Nice. Um, the most Canadian bike to ever exist. <laughs> um, yeah, and things have been mostly good. I still need to go see Inside Out really badly. Yes, you do. Um, I watched Spy over the weekend and okay. laughed far more than I should have. I heard very good things about that movie. 
I liked it a lot, but like, I mean, it wasn't as funny as like my laughter led it on, led on <laughs> to believe, led you to believe. You know, hmm. shut up, everyone. <laughs> what what caused that? Do you think I was just like super giggly yesterday? Okay. Um, we did go to Bulk Barn. I don't. Does Bulk Barn exist in the U.S.? No, no. but it okay. sounds to me like a sort of Costco situation. If I'm going to guess, it's actually like um. They have basically everything. Mm-hmm. Seriously, they have spices, and it's all, um, they have bins of everything, and you just get, like, a bag and, like, scoop as much as you want into oh, it, and they have candy. Interesting. And they have, like, um, nuts and cookies, and they have things from, like, uh, the UK, too, like, UK treats that you can't really find anywhere else. Jaffa cakes. <laughs> and they're so, so, so good, and you can get, like, every candy ever. I'm, like, the only person that can go in there and wind up, like, every time I go in there spending, like, $40. <laughs> um, but we went to Bulk Barn after we got went on a mission for burritos yesterday. And uh, I, I spent in a large quantity of money on um, candy. I mean, large quantity of money as far as candy goes. I mean, Right, you know, right. It's all relative. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not like I dropped, like, 500 bucks. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the store. Um, yeah, and then I came back and watched Spy, and I had a lot of those. I had a lot of candy, so mm. that might have been part of it. Gotcha. But there's, like, this one scene where, like, she just has Melissa McCarthy's character has gloves on, and Rose Burns just like, take off those gloves. Why are you wearing those gloves? She just, like, emotionally, like, verbally abuses Rose Burns' character so much, though. She kind of reminds me of my roommate. Oh, <laughs> man. And, um, uh, yeah, she's... Just like, I'm keeping them on because I don't know what woodland creatures will pop out of that nest on your head. Wow. I was like, that's a great line. I was like, this is great. This is great. I was like, that's like actually what you say to me, Ashley. She's like, shut up and die. <laughs> I'm like, see? Perfect. She's like, I'm going to slit your throat at night. I'm like, oh, I love you too. Nice your roommate situation working out so well. It's really just Stephanie talking Good. to herself in the mirror. <laughs> it's like a golem situation. I wish. <laughs> Um, no, Ashley's great. She's scary sometimes, but great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Slash all the time. Sounds but, like a fun weekend. I don't know. I, I think uh, Ashley's boyfriend listens to the podcast. Hi, Eric. You're <laughs> very scary. <laughs> but I love her, but she's very scary. Hmm. I know you'll agree. Tweet at me. Just say, yes, I agree. Okay. What happens when Ashley tweets you and agrees? Mm-hmm. That could be really, really scary. She knows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell her. Yeah. How about you, Steve? How was uh, your weekend? I spent a lot of time with family, and then when I wasn't doing that, I actually saw Terminator Genesis. Oh, really? How was that? It wasn't good. Wasn't that's <laughs> what I heard? No. It yeah. um it wasn't any worse or any better than I'd expected it to be. Arnold was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jai Courtney was. You could have replaced him with a cardboard cutout. Oh, like yeah. the the scenes where there's supposed to be chemistry. It it boils down to this one, th- this like one recurring hand gesture throughout the movie, where like every argument is solved by like "Give me your hand." <laughs> now they like, they trace a line down the middle, and he's like, "You run all the way to the end, and you don't look back." It's like, how do you know that? It's because it's a memory of mine, and just really, <laughs> really hard to swallow stuff. Um, Special effects were pretty cool, though. You got to see, like, the young Arnold. I always freak out over that kind of stuff because I love, I love effects. And it looked good. Like, for the time that he was in the movie, it looked good. Matt Smith is in it for a whole two minutes. I don't even know Matt Smith is in the movie. Yup. <laughs> He's in it for two minutes. I was like, oh, cool, there's Matt Smith. 
oh man, where'd he go? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so that was that was fun. How's Thanks. our new Sarah Connor? She's okay. She's okay. She was uh she worked really well with uh Arnold, like the older Terminator, she calls him Pops. Mm-hmm. So that's like his name yeah. throughout the movie. And he because he's been around for so long and he's like assimilated into the society, like he's gotten Joe jobs and he's been waiting for her to time travel and he's gonna meet her later. Um and so he's like he gains this like it's like a father daughter mm-hmm. kind of thing at this point because she grew up without a father right. and mm-hmm. he was protecting her this whole time. So some of that stuff played really well. Sometimes it was a little bit too much. Uh, a lot of his old lines were her new ones and stuff like that. Like come with yeah. me if you want to mm-hmm. live. And um, it was like it it had its moments, but it really it got caught up in itself where it was the pacing was weird, where it was a little bit too much really quickly. And then the movie would just come to a screeching halt so that we can do like information dumps about like backstory from the other films. And this is like the fifth Terminator movie. It is. I I could be alone on this. I don't like John Connor as a character. I don't find him interesting at all. And the fact that the last three movies at least have been he's the main character is really kind of it doesn't interest me anymore. But um, he's the main character in this one. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's I did not expect that. <laughs> you'll see he's around yeah, yeah he's yeah. around a lot okay um they pulled a couple switcheroos which were cool and i didn't read anything or see mm-hmm. anything so it was like i was surprised I was like, oh wow okay we're gonna do that um but like i said it's it's what you would imagine a new terminator movie would be they they take enough from the first and second one to kind of reintroduce people to the franchise but I just don't think it's a good enough movie overall to really hook people like it did back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like I think Terminator's kind of run its course, and they they either need to seriously reinvent it or or just not even do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because they're going they're doing more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's been five Terminator movies. Yeah, and one great television show. And one great television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, where how would you rank the five Terminator movies? Uh let's see. I would say starting probably- from the worst to the best. The worst, yeah, the worst. I think was Salvation. Okay. Um, the second worst would be probably the th- maybe the third one. That's tough though, because the third one had some really awesome action sequences. So, but I'm gonna I'm gonna actually I'm gonna go Genesis, the third one, the first one, and Judgment Day mm-hmm. is the best. Right. Okay. okay. Cool. Yeah, I haven't seen this next new one yet, yeah. but I would th- I would keep those rankings other than not knowing where I want to put Genesis. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a huge Arnold fan from back in the day. Mm. I grew up up on on Arnold. Like, like he, I've seen all of his movies. Maybe there's a few missing. I love the fact that he's still owning this character and he's still playing it so straight. And him going up against himself is like the young Terminator versus the old and gray Terminator was entertaining. Um, and the technology is at the point, special effects wise, where like when you do battle damage on Terminators and there's like half flesh, half machine underneath, that stuff looks really good now. It doesn't look like a prosthetic. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like special effects are, I love analyzing and sitting there and kind of pulling that stuff apart. And when I can't see the seams, when I can't tell the difference anymore, that's when I know that like they did a good job. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were parts of this movie where things looked really good. Cool. Yeah. But, uh, I would call it's Terminator Convolution would be <laughs> yeah. would be my my thing for it. I can remember seeing the first one on a Wednesday before Thanksgiving at like an indoor drive-in theater, giant screen sitting in the front row and they they because it was a drive-in, you had the great concession stand. So I went right from work, 
So as I'm having dinner, so I sat in the front row, which is about 20 feet from the just giant screen, mm-hmm. with a pile of food. It's like pizza rolls and hot dogs and french fries. And just, I sat through the movie twice. Hmm. The first Terminator was just such a kick in the chest, really. It was just so yeah. different and so new. And then Terminator 2 was even better. Mm-hmm. because The consequences were higher and everything else, and but still had that sort of rebel quality to it. Just really, the two of them are brilliant. I still remember my uh, sitting in the theaters for Terminator 2 with my dad and at the, at the very beginning when they like the war is happening and that Terminator like his foot smashes down onto the skull yeah. my dad just elbowed me right in the <laughs> chest because he was so stoked because he loved the first movie and he just elbows me and I'm like you like it really hurt <laughs> but um yeah I grew up Terminator was always playing uh in my house when uh when I was growing up and it's a cool franchise I, you know, it's worth seeing. I just don't know. I saw it in IMAX 3D. It's one of the loudest movies I've ever seen in my life. I don't recommend that. Uh, if you're a fan of the franchise, you might like it. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just, it's run its course mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Have you seen the show? The I saw Chronicle the first Chronicle? episode. I really liked it and then just never followed through with it, oh. but I have it. The show's so good. It's, yeah. I want to watch so it. Good. I was talking, I can't remember who, somebody was tweeting at me. Telling me like that, uh, Lena Headey is their favorite Sarah Connor. She's awesome, and I'm yeah. like, well, Linda Hamilton, duh. And I'm like, but wait a minute, like I love Lena Headey, <laughs> yeah, so she's maybe really good in it. She's great. Lots of great twists and turns. Mm-hmm. Great characterizations across the board. Everyone yeah. in it's great. I have a couple of things that I need to get to as soon as I'm done with Thirty Rock. My attitude has changed drastically about the season that I'm watching now, season six. There are some awful, awful episodes. I hate the live ones. Oh really? I, I love the live oh, ones. They're I the hated them at first, and then I rewatched them, and they were actually really funny. Like after I feel like I the jokes don't land. Oh, I love, I love, I love Donald Glover as young yeah, Tracy Morgan, which is amazing. Oh, that's and hysterical. I, and I love, I love that uh, they bring Julia Louis Dreyfus in to play like Liz and like her yeah, yeah, and yeah. her flashbacks really? or whatever. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and Amy Poehler. <laughs> Yeah, and Amy Poehler as well. It's some great stuff. I love. I like that stuff. The show has a lot of really awesome moments. Mm. I just there are certain things. The Angie episodes with the the live taping where they're they're doing Tracy the Morgan's sh- wife the has show? a show. Oh my god, I love the show. <laughs> I have a I have a Queen ver- of Jordan. Yeah, oh my god, and the, baby, <laughs> the baby that gives her like rest like bitch yeah. face. Yeah, I did. I just saw oh, that. No, she didn't. <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, I love the, the thing with with Jack, where they like, where they, they make him seem like he's having like a, an affair with Defuan or whatever. The uh, that stuff's like funny. I, <laughs> I mean, hu- humor is so specific, right? Yeah. Like, there are certain things that I that I find funny, and then mm. there are other things that I just I tire on very quickly. It's mm. taken me forever to get to even like Tracy's character. Oh, really? No, I, I, Jenna's my favorite. Jenna, really? I, she's hysterical. That's so crazy. <laughs> she's I mean, hysterical. I like Jenna. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> the shit that comes out of her mouth is priceless. There's this one, this, uh, and I think of her. There's one line I always think of is they're in like that. She's shopping with Liz in like some container store or whatever, and she's like, "We need to get out of here before somebody recognizes me." Oh, that's great. <laughs> On camera. <laughs> On camera. Um, that show is awesome. Uh, that show is awesome. Uh, I just, I just finished rewatching. I think. Parks and Rec for like the 18th time. <laughs> I really ended up loving day. that show. Uh, it's a good show. It's a great show. Uh, I actually just put up this amazing illustration that I think I got from like T Fury posters, but it's like the woman, women mm. of uh, whatever, and like Liz Lemon's on there with the the girly show and Leslie awesome. Nope, and uh, there's like who else is on there? There's like Ripley, 
and all these other cool, you know, kick-ass ladies and awesome ladies. Um, uh, what's her name? Zoe from Firefly mm. and all this stuff. Ooh. But every time, like, I pass, uh, go through my hallway, I just, like, look at it and I'm like, ah, Leslie, <laughs> Tina, <laughs> Liz Lemon. <laughs> well, you've read all of their books and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, their books are great. So good. I, I would imagine that yeah. they are. Amy Poehler's book is awesome, and so is Tina Fey's. Um, I hear his audio books, they're better than books. I love when the audio books, because they read they're, them. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, speaking of, of, of awesome TV stuff, and we'll, we'll bring this to, back to San Diego <gasps> a little bit. Uh, they did it. The Warner Brothers had their big TV panel, and, and they talked about Flash, Arrow, uh, Gotham, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. And uh, not a ton of news coming out of, you know... Uh, Gotham or, or Supergirl. Supergirl, they announced that uh, Maxwell Lord is going to be a, a recurring character yeah. on the show and that Livewire is going to be one of the villains uh, on the show, which is pretty cool. Gotham didn't get canceled? Uh, no, Gotham does pretty well for Fox. <laughs> um, and uh, Supergirl did get married over the weekend. Supergirl got married? Yeah. What, the, yeah, uh, the actress? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, Melissa Benoist? Yes. Um, and uh, Legends of Tomorrow, they they kind of they tease that Hawkman will be in the show at, at some point. Oh, I'm starting to like this show, <laughs> um, and that most of it will, you know, the, that the show will kind of be set up by the first few episodes of Arrow and Flash coming in th- this next season, hmm. and that will be a mid-season show, Legends of Tomorrow. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and basically what they said was all the storylines that they couldn't they they they. they kind of think of an arrow and flash they go that's too weird those are all in legends of tomorrow so it's all right. like that's the weirdest awesome. stuff they can think of is is in legends of tomorrow I'm in. it's pretty cool um so yeah so there's that and they, uh which is pretty cool some big announcements coming out of uh flash uh they uh they they confirmed jay garrick for, yes. for season two as well Sweet. as uh wally west is going to be a character oh. in season two uh for um uh jay garrick they said they're going to be doing Earth Two storylines. Like Jay Garrick's basically basically going to show up as kind of a messenger, being like, you know, your world's in trouble, and, and this is how we have to save it, kind of thing. Um, they didn't announce how Wally's going to be part of the story, you know, and, and who's going to play him. There's no casting for that yet, um, but but they, he will be part of, of this season. Um, I'm trying to find uh, Patty Spivet is the other character as well that th- that they're bringing uh, to, to the show for for next year. Hmm, I don't know that character. Uh, I do not know that character either. Yeah. So I just uh, and, and they said that, which I, I think is confusing for comic book fans, but maybe not for people who just watch the show. Uh, Zoom, who is kind of is the Reverse Flash and kind of older iterations, but when Jeff Johns took over the character, kind of created, kind of separated out the Reverse Flash mm-hmm. and Zoom. Zoom is another character. He's going to be the main villain in season two uh, uh, of the Flash. Um, so that's all pretty cool. Uh, and they, they talked a lot about kind of just the ins and outs. They, there's a new, kind of a new costume, a slightly costume. There's, uh, there's the white with the, Oh, it's behind the lightning bolt now on his chest, Ooh, so it's moving oh. more towards looking at the comic yeah. book stuff. They, they already it teased, still look great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, already, they already teased that in the show itself because when they showed the future iterations of him, yeah. he had a much right. he had a bright red costume on, and it was a thing. So yep. it, you know he's going to get there eventually. Uh, Tom Cavanaugh is going to be back. They haven't said exactly how that's going to work. We might be seeing the real kind of Harrison Wells for the first time, um, and uh, and other stuff like that. More. more uh, more agency for Iris. They've said she's gonna have more interesting storylines for her character this year, uh, which should be cool. Thank goodness. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So let's talk about that. And then Green Arrow, uh, which is kind of the biggest story of it all, is that he's gonna be taking the name Green Arrow 
in, in the coming season. Uh, then the first episode is Green Arrow. They're moving towards um, a, uh, a lighter tone, they've said, for the show. They've redesigned the costume. It looks um, pretty much almost exactly like the new 52 costume now. Uh, shorter sleeves, different, different kind of look to it. Um, they announced Mr. Terrific as a character in, hmm. in season four. The um, old or the new? Uh, I don't know. It's going to be some probably who knows between, version of yes, it because right. it's the, it's the TV universe. So yeah, that's right. It's going to be something a little different. Yeah. Um, so he'll be a character. Uh, they have said he's going to be gay uh, uh, on the show. Um, and they announced anarchy as a villain for the season four mm-hmm. of the show, which, uh, for, if you know, if arrow, it makes sense. I mean, his anarchy thing is kind of like taking down governments and stuff yeah. like that. And a lot of what arrows kind of plot lines are about is about the city being in danger. So I'm assuming that he will be kind of the, the, the linchpin of, of all of that. Um, yeah, but that, that was just, uh, I was excited about that stuff. I'm excited for, to see what happens with arrow and flash. Um, and, uh, I, I think all the stuff they kind of said was, was very intriguing and, and interesting. Um, and, uh, Katie Lutz, who, who played, uh, my God, I can't remember her name right now. What's her, what's her character name? Sarah. Sarah Lance. That's what her name was. <laughs> uh, just talked about coming back and, and stuff like that and, and what it's going to mean, uh, for, for that character. But it should be pretty cool. I'm pretty excited. Didn't know there was a Sarah. Yeah, she was uh, kind of uh, the the Black Canary before uh, Laurel what oh. was. The only Black it, Canary. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be the White Canary in when she comes well, back. Oh, there is that. Yeah. Which is stupid, but I'm just happy she's back. <laughs> <laughs> just say. And she'll be end up. She's one of the main characters in Legends of Tomorrow. So that I'm very excited about all all that, that TV stuff and, and looking forward to seeing where where all that goes. Um, going to the comic book side of things, I mean, we had a we got to confirm that Squirrel Girl is, is coming back. Yeah. Uh, same team, Ryan North, Erica Henderson, um, and uh, with a funny tagline, which is our only our second number one issue of the year. Yeah. <laughs> what was the Still eating nuts and kicking butts. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is pretty awesome. So we got you know I was surprised there wasn't more announcements out of Marvel. Um, we got two. Obviously we got a we got the Squirrel Girl announcement, which uh, I think we were expecting. Um, but happy that it's there. Uh, there was some teasing from uh, Dan Slott about Silver Surfer uh, about oh, it good. about it coming back. I, I I don't think it's God. I think they're waiting just till the last days issue was run before they they make an announcement mm-hmm. on that. Um, I should say there wasn't two. There was th- there was three announcements. Um, Spider Man and Deadpool is coming from Joe Kelly. Four announcements. Oh, four announcements jo- yeah. from Joe Kelly. Um, on the Marvel side of things, four announcements. Yeah. Oh, okay. From from Joe Kelly. Uh, this this fall as as well. So uh, Joe Kelly has written both those characters in the past. So coming back and writing them. Um, the other we're going to uh, Blade. Um, written by Tim Seeley with art by Logan Faber. Uh, it's going to be uh, the daughter of Blade, somebody Fallon Gray. Uh, I guess she's a new character. And uh, Eric Brooks, the, the father and, and an original character, are going to both be in it. Um, you know, it, it, the, from the description that Tim Seeley gave us, she's kind of the anti Peter Parker. She's popular. She has like everything. She's, her life is great. And so this kind of. She's sexy. She's rev- cute. She's popular to boot. Bitchin', <laughs> great hair. The boys all love to stare. Maybe yeah, um, <laughs> they're uh, that that this power that she gets is going to be more is going to it's going to deal with how that affects someone who doesn't want it opposed to someone who embraces it, hmm. um, which sounds a lot. I mean, it sounds a lot like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like the original yeah. movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer idea, um, but still cool. Uh, I'm yeah. excited to see it out, Bob. I know you're a big Blade fan. 
Yeah, uh, Wesley Snipes is in talks with Marvel, too, yeah, right now. Yeah, I heard now. that, too, yeah. Oh, he says that. that, that well, that, that could be, too. <laughs> well, he wanted to be the Black Panther mm-hmm. going back many, many years. Yeah. People, you know, we talk about it a lot here, but people do tend to forget that the that Blade movie started mm-hmm. Marvel Superheroes movie. So bring him back, and maybe you bring it back on the heels of this character. Mm. You bring, you know, someone new to the four, you bring his daughter in. So, yeah, I... I I'd go. I'm. I'm in for the book. Yeah. I'd be in for the movie. Frankly, I don't. I don't know how much Wesley Snipe has left to offer as an actor. <laughs> That's my only reservations. He can be the Chris Christopherson part in this. It's next true. One. Yeah. I do love those. The, like, the first two. Blade first movies. two. Yeah. And the third one has its it has its moments. Ah, the Trinity. Yeah. yeah. It has its funny moments. Um, the first of Ryan Reynolds' attempts to be in a comic book movie. Yeah. Um, it has its moments, but uh, yeah, the first two are great. I, the second one is uh, fantastic. The second one is one of my favorites. Um, just a great movie. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for for a Blade comic. Um, there hasn't been one published, I think, since I've been reading comics. So no, that's that's exciting to me to check that out. And I like they're kind of going this new angle, um, but including kind of the old a- as well in there. So I think that should be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. The other announcement was Spidey. Oh, that's right. Yes. An all-ages Spider-Man book. Set in continuity. Set in continuity with mm-hmm. him as a teenager mm-hmm. and by Robbie Thompson. Yeah, Robbie Thompson is doing Silk, nice. obviously. Yeah. yeah. I haven't announced the artist yet, but mm-hmm. obviously it'll it'll be lighter in tone than almost mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah. There's a Dark Horse announcement for the... Yeah, 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 yeah. The Dark Horse. There was the... Um, well, there's a couple Dark Horse announcements. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, with the, the Joss Whedon announcement. Right. Uh, yep. Which is a book called Twist, which is he, he describes as a Victorian female Batman. It'll be, I think, a six-issue miniseries. Uh, that I think is later in this year or early next year. I think is is, is that. Um, there's also the Legend of Korra stuff that you were mentioning. Yeah, Steve. They're going to be uh, continuing the relationship, uh, the Korasami uh, merge, which was absolutely fantastic, and uh, they're going to be continuing that in a series of graphic novels. And it's the you know original writers, team, and art, and everything. So. Nice. Uh, they said they wanted to move away from the animated series stuff, so it looks like this is what they're going to do next. And I mean, the end of the probably fourth season was huge, huge for for a lot of people, and it's really nice to see that uh, continued in comic book form. Mm. I'm very much looking forward to that. It was one of my favorite announcements from the weekend. And the other big one was uh, Teenage Ninja Turtles and Batman. Yeah, okay. IDW, yeah. Uh, James Tynan the fourth. Uh, and uh, Freddie Williams the third doing uh, combine the seventh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the power want, of seven. I want a panel of like a full page spread of Batman eating pizza with the turtles. <laughs> uh, could be. Steph, were any of the comic announcements at San Diego that uh, got you excited? Squirrel Girl Should returning. <laughs> yes, that's basically it. I mean, yeah. the rest of it's all right. If that's your bag. Well, Joss Whedon's comic sounds kind of cool. Um, but I've admittedly not really necessarily enjoyed his comic work. Okay. Um, I mean, Joss Whedon's Joss Whedon, but I prefer what he does for us in film and TV. Mm. For the screen. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll check it out, obviously, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy Squirrel Girl's coming back. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and they did announce some um, new Vertigo books as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, Actually, Rufus Daglow's new book, I'm really excited for cool yeah awesome uh yeah so it seems like they're i mean it seems like they're focusing on vertigo again it seemed like they were doing that last year as well none of those series i think really panned out so um i'm waiting to see kind of uh you know how it works with with this new crop before i get really kind of excited about them 
Yeah, maybe they should try the uh, more anthologies. The couple they did were great. Yeah, their anthologies are great. I don't know. I'm not. I, I don't know if it was so much the the quality of the books that was the problem that they were putting out as far as like the minis are ongoing as they put out. I just don't think they got much traction because I don't think there was a lot of um, advertising. And I think it's it's tough uh, for those books to do well when it's not you know one of like the the big 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 mm-hmm. people like the Snyder Vertigo books do well, but it doesn't seem like. Um, a lot of the others kind of get any traction because they're not really getting put out there. Well, maybe Snyder's... like Sandman would actually have had a regular release. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that would sell. I'm, yeah, but Sandman would it's, again another thing a really huge like that's that's like a megaton of, of creative creator clout you know in that book. But uh, you know the ones that come in between those, you know, I don't feel like they really put a lot of oomph behind those. Snyder doing witches at Vertigo. What would that have sold? Yeah. yeah, you start to say, yeah, that, yeah but they well, there was lost a, their, their vibe. There was an article yeah. by um, Sean Murphy. Mur- Sean Murphy, yeah. He really outlined, yeah. like, what it is to be a creator at Vertigo versus Image. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting. He basically said, you know, if it, 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 with Punk Rock Jesus, mm-hmm. that if it had sold half as many copies as it sold or something like that, or 3,000 less copies than it had sold at Image, he would have made more money than he, than wow. he made for how much it sold at, at Vertigo. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely some talk about... And I, I think it, it kind of outlines why a lot of the big talent is moving away, right, from from, from Vertigo uh, because the, 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 the money just isn't there for them to, to make that mm-hmm. b- back, you know, compared to the other places that have existed. Well, I just say, without the advertising, without the push, it's mm-hmm. a DC book that ends up at the bottom of the rack and who mm-hmm. cares? Yeah. An image number one mm-hmm. is an event. Yes. No matter what it is, no matter who it's by, really, but while it's image, their brand absolutely has really taken over. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they, if they just need to kind of re- readjust what, what they're offering to probably get people back. That's all it really yeah. is, you know? Because the imprint still means something. I think the name definitely still means something and I think it definitely means something to people who don't read comics as, as well. It's something that a name that they recognize so um you know regularly re- comics regularly so i think that they, they still have a chance to do some good stuff and hopefully the books that they're, they're putting out and uh, end up being something re- special uh but let's talk about some books that we uh we read this week oh, let's go okay. to our lightning round here okay steve i'm gonna let you go first on this one <laughs> okay okay sure you ready for this i am okay let me get this this clock up here let me get you three minutes on the clock and go all right, so The Wicked and the Divine number 12 came out this past week, and it was a little bizarre. Um, it felt like the issue before this was really the finale of this arc. This was kind of a follow-up, or uh, if you want to think of it as one of those like hidden tracks on an album, yeah. like in Nevermind, yes. when all of a sudden Endless Nameless came on for the first time and you flipped out. That's my story. But anyway, uh, it was good. But it really, like, the impact of, of this arc and how amazing it was uh, or is really hit for me in the last issue. And seeing as there was a different artist on this book, in the last issue in the arc, it, when I opened it up, it really threw me. And I wasn't able to get over it, like, be, like throughout the course of the issue. So, but still, very cool. Excellent series. Can't wait to see what they do. And, and I believe the next arc is going to have different artists uh, on each book. And the other book I want to talk about really quick is Constantine, the Hellblazer number two from DC comics. Uh, Bing Doyle and uh, James Tynan are just killing this book. There's a lot to read in here, but I got to be honest, all of it is really interesting to me. And I love the world that they're building the creatures and the, just the strange corners of the DC universe that uh, were being ushered into by Constantine and some of the people that follow him and uh, a pretty devastating, 
turn of events towards the end of the book that I did not expect to really have any feels for. And it, it kind of hit me upside the, the heart of uh, what went on in those few moments. But the other book that I read that was absolutely wonderful is uh, Raina uh, Tal- Talgemeyer's book, Smile. It came out in 2010. I'd seen this book on shelves for at least the last four or five years and just always passed it up, not knowing what it was. I thought it had something to do with uh, who's the guy from the Beach Boys? That Brian had, Wilson. Brian Wilson. I thought it was like a Brian Wilson inspired <laughs> thing. So I just, you know, I didn't look at it. Um, but with the Eisners and everything, I went on to Amazon. I decided to shop around a little bit and I saw this and curiosity struck and I grabbed it and it was absolutely wonderful. Um, it's a autobiographical tale of um, Reyna growing up from about six, the end of sixth grade all the way to her sophomore year. And she uses getting these braces. She basically, she, she fell one day and impacted her two front teeth into the top of her gums, resulting in a very, a lot of dental work. And I am not one for the dentist at all. So throughout this book, I'm like cringing up on my couch and, you know, just all these things. But it's a really, really wonderful book about uh, just growing up in high school and what it's like to be insecure and not kind of like being still like having something on the outside that makes you look weird versus being weird on the inside and not being comfortable enough with that yet. But like the way that writers take something very mundane, something like dentistry or braces, and they manage to turn it into something that you can relate to. I like my music, by the way. It's good, for, right? For what it goes it's very off. soothing. Um, really quick wrapping up. It's a very, very heartwarming um, slice of life kind of thing. Is actually the part of a person's life, so there you go. But um, yeah, if you see it on the shelves, pick it up and, and read it. It's wonderful. Uh, I related to it, even though I was not a young woman going to junior high and high school. There was so much in this that I could relate to. And uh, there's so many Nintendo references it's amazing. There's so many <laughs> video game references and art and, and just awesome. Um, reminds me, remind me of what it was like to grow up like in like the, the late eighties and nineties going to, to school. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that, that call back to when we were growing up and it was entertaining to see those back things. Back in my <laughs> day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I read through it briefly right yeah. here and the art is absolutely charming and winning. It uh, is sort of Noel Stevenish. If there is such a thing. It's very much lighter in tone, but there are some heavy events as she gets older, and the trauma mm-hmm. of being a kid that's different because of your appearance is it's really telling there. There are moments where you can see she's really sad and really dealing with things, but she Raina really perseveres. Yeah. She's just a tough cookie. There are um, like expressions and faces and stuff like that, that um, at one point she's reading on the couch and she's like laying upside down and she's reading. And one of the books on the floor is a Calvin and Hobbes book. Oh, I didn't see that. And oh. after seeing that panel, I was like looking a little bit more at the art and there are definitely a couple of, of characters or what that are like very expressive, uh, kind of like Calvin's parents, like mm-hmm. the same, the same way that they're positioned. Uh, like I've seen his mom yell that way or his dad, you know, pontificate uh, about something mm-hmm. and look very knowing and whatever. And that's, you see reflections of that in the artwork in here. And uh, the writing is super, super solid. Uh, it's a very personal story. But like I said, I I found a lot of identity in it. I really enjoyed it. And I ordered uh, Sisters uh, this afternoon because I liked it so much. Awesome. Oh. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I loved uh, Constantine. I thought it was great. It's great. Yeah. It's a lot to read. 
There's a lot of like exposition and stuff like that, but I I'm I'm digging it. Yeah, I like the uh, the idea of them kind of walking through all of those like super haunted places. Yeah, and, and just the imagery that's going on there, and, and kind of you know the the weird sometimes you know shining esque sequence where he's kind of in like that hotel and he's seeing all that mm-hmm. weird stuff happening in, in all the rooms and uh, the delight that he has in kind of going in these really horrible places is, is, is really cool. And the, the Rossimo art is mm-hmm. perfect, perfect, perfect for, for, for the story. I try to, I say this to you, I was like, he loves what he does, but he hates who he is. Yeah. You oh. know, and uh, I just, I'm really, really enjoying it. It reminded me a little bit like the scenario, the whole, the arc is that he has these ghosts that follow him mm-hmm. around and these ghosts have started dying and ghosts are not supposed to die twice mm-hmm. or at least in the manner that they are. And he's mystified by it. So he's looking yeah. in all of the corners where he never ventures for answers. And um, it reminded me a little bit of like Paranorman, of, of how Paranorman's walking around in the world and just these ghosts are following. What if they started to disappear mm-hmm. from his life? Mm-hmm. And and that's I've kind of applied that to the book. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the Rossmo art is perfect. Yeah. And uh, it's really good. It's a really, of all the, the new DC stuff, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's really great. And the... Uh, I was surprised kind of by the, like you said, the emotional nature of something that happens in it. Yeah. Uh, which was great. It, it has levels that I didn't expect. You get a lot about that relationship, mm-hmm. you know, even in just the two issues, because there, there is so much text yes. there. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of beautiful artwork and there's a lot of story, but it is very much you inside of John's head for the vast mm-hmm. majority of the book of him narrating to you and telling you about his world and that's that's really like kind of the draw of the book so far, and aside from the mystery, yeah. But um, yeah, like stuff happens, and I was like, wow, <laughs> I okay, <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah, no, there's some not so nice stuff that happens, mm. but uh, I'm very intrigued about how it's gonna move forward and, yeah. and go on. Super good, and there's some really uh, intense imagery as, as well. That kind of. When you see this kind of big bad or whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. Rossmo's art has really grown uh, in the past couple of years. He did uh, Green Wake with Curtis Weep, right? Yeah. 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 Like, I remember when he was using, like, the like color palettes mm. and stuff like that in those two arcs. And then to see where he's at now. I mean, he's been doing, he's done a lot of stuff, but I mean, this is some of his best. Like, uh, Rasputin that I just talked about mm-hmm. a few weeks ago is, if you are into his art, that's the book to get. That book is spectacular for uh, Riley Rossmo art. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I've talked enough. I'll shut no, up. No, it's doing fine. All right. Stephanie. Hi. Are you ready uh, for your lightning round? These books are real. Actually they are. real. You sent me a list. I know. All right. Here you go. You have three minutes and go. Uh, Runaways number two. Uh, really enjoyed this uh, issue, but it started to feel a bit like this issue kind of made me think, this is almost exactly like the original Runaways. Like, it's like the original formula where um, they find out they're, like, the people that are supposed to be responsible for them are bad, and they're like, let's run away. Mm-hmm. That's the Runaways. Um, some other stuff goes down, and, you know, that causes them to realize that they need to not be um, in Victor Von Doom's School for Gifted Youngsters, or whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it really kind of felt like I, I enjoyed it, but it almost felt like too similar um, 
in some ways. But I still really enjoy the series, and uh, except for Tandy's goddamn dreads. Somebody cut those off. Um, <laughs> I finished up the arc for three books this week. So the first one was Effigy. Um, so I, I finished volume one of that. Uh, that wrapped up with issue number six. Really, really solid series from Tim Seeley. And I want to say her name's Marley Zarconi. Um, excellent, excellent book. Really liked it. Um, that's actually a Vertigo book. I believe mm-hmm. it's an ongoing. Uh, you should definitely check it out. It's it's really interesting. Um, kind of focusing on what happens to child stars later in their life if they choose not to be um, celebrities anymore. If they want to kind of live normal lives. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Coffin Hill, number 20. That wrapped up the third arc, I believe. Still so, 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 so good. Um, definitely check that out. Um, I would say this one's almost more of a prequel to the previous two, if that's possible. Like, the chronologi- chronologically, it goes like three, two, one. Um, but there's still <laughs> stuff that happens in three that's after one. It's very confusing, but really good. Um, Saga, I mean, what can you say about Saga that hasn't been said? The series, uh, volume five, wrapped up. Uh, with issue 30, so good, so great. Um, a character is back finally. Um, some others are reunited. Uh, and there's just, it's a roller coaster of emotions constantly. <laughs> Saga, Brian K. Vaughn is just tearing us apart piece by piece. Um, and the last one I want to quickly mention is Hex 11, number four, which is the indie series from Comixology that I mentioned a few weeks ago. Um, that book just released the new issue and it continues to be really, really, really good. Um, it's something that's probably not on a lot of your radar, uh, on your radars, whatever. Anyways, it's <laughs> excellent. It's really great. The art's fantastic. Uh, the writing's great. And I think it's definitely worth, um, you guys taking a look at the story's a lot of fun. Um, so do that. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Saga was really good. Yes, it was. Uh, I did not realize. I, I obviously it makes sense that thirty would be the end of an arc because it's six issues yeah. each. But I didn't really think of that. And then when it was over, and it was like, oh, we're taking our usual break. I was like, no. <laughs> um, Steve, you think we'd be used to it by now? I know. Did yes, you read Steph. Runaways? I did. What did you like? Do you see what I mean by the? It feels like almost formulaic. Well, it's. I mean, here's the thing. And I think we talked about this with the first issue. You know, we want it to be the Runaways. So you're saying that you feel like it's getting close to the original. No, but like, but <clears throat> I want it to feel like the vibe of it, kind of. But like, I don't know. It just felt like they decided to take the exact plot and then just kind of interchange mm-hmm. a couple things. Right, like it's been re- like reskinned and yeah. reapplied. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely feel it, but I think that that's more to do with like what the the Runaways are about or what their deal is. Like that's how their origin started. That if they're going to reboot them, that they would maybe go with something similar. But I definitely agree with you. Um, I it feels like it's something that's going to be much larger than what is it supposed to be five issues. Yeah, it feels like the the start of something much larger than that. So I'm hoping that we eventually get like some kind of long term thing from this but yeah 
Uh, if it ends up being just a retread of the original story, I don't know how I'll feel about it towards the end, but the writing is really solid. And um, I, don't know, I like the ragtag group of uh, kids. I want more from Molly, though. Oh, yeah. That's another thing. You know, like, it's right down to Molly being abducted along lines. She's like, I don't want to be a part of this. And she just gets dragged <laughs> off in her sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, God damn it, Tandy. Those dreads. <laughs> Um, well, you know, because what it seems to me, Stephanie, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I think that what what they're doing with the series is is they're kind of taking the um, structure and idea and putting new characters into it. And I mean, to me, what it sounds like when you or Steve talk about the Runaways, the thing you love the most about it is the characters, you know, and yeah. the fact that those characters really aren't here. You think maybe that is something that's kind of hanging you up with, you know, the idea of it. Maybe a bit. But um, I, I think that it was more like. Not necessarily the characters themselves, but, um, and not even necessarily the dynamic, but just the character development. And I think that's being kind of rushed along due to the fact that it's going to be a mini series. So you can't really get into that. But Mm -hmm. I do think that that was a huge part of what made the original Runaways so special. Right, Mm -hmm. right. I mean, hopefully this gets to be an ongoing thing after this is all over and we get to see her kind of dive into the whether whether it's these characters or another set of characters yeah more in, in, in that way uh you know i had fun with it i thought i loved the amadeus cho stuff i thought that stuff was all great um and i do love i love all the jubilee stuff in it uh, as well i think that they did a, she did a very good job writing both of those characters um in interesting ways and i think the art is is pretty sweet i liked that there's a little bit of a callback to uh some of the earlier hickman fantastic four stuff with mm. uh valeria yeah and the op- and one of the opening scenes i yeah i mean it's really good it's one of those books that when it was announced i freaked out and now that it's on the shelves i'm not gonna lie like i hesitate every time it's only been twice but i've hesitated each time to open it up and read it oh. to just if it doesn't meet my expectations I don't want to start disliking it for for ridiculous reasons. Right. <laughs> you know, if it's still a good book, it's a good book just because it doesn't measure up to what I've been, you know, thinking about for the past two and a half years. If it ever came back, like it didn't, it didn't continue the the story. And the end of the Runaways is like one of my most hated endings in, in a series. And I just I want to correct that, but I know mm. that I'm not, I'm never going to get it. I I kind right. of stopped. I mean, I read a lot of uh, Runaways, but after it. Like I, I read some of the Terry Moore stuff. I read some of the mm-hmm. Joss Whedon stuff, and it just didn't feel like Runaways. And maybe it's just meant to be Brian K. Vaughn's book and Brian K. Vaughn's book alone. Um, I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, like I, I didn't enjoy. Like I, I have again the complete collections that aren't actually complete collections. So um, you never made it to the end. So you don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about for the final page. Then I don't. I, I may have looked at it because I might have just skimmed to the end. I mean, I won't spoil it for people that haven't read it, but I mean, it's it's enraging. It's it's really, really enraging. Like, I, I got to the last page, and I went to go and flip the page, and it was just the cover, and I was like, what? Knowing that that was it, like, that was all yeah. that was there, I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. It's it's like the, the last season of uh, Orange is the New Black with the Voss stuff, where it's just- I it's, haven't watched it yet. All right. <laughs> I forgot it. I'm sorry. I can't commiserate with you on that. It's all good. <laughs> I'll commiserate by myself. Um, but it's a tr- it's tricky stuff, Steph. Mm-hmm. I I definitely am in the Runaways camp mm-hmm. right along. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I want I'm obviously gonna read all of it because I've already read like half oh, yeah. of it at this point, basically. Um, but 
I, I, I don't know. I just almost wish that this didn't have the runaway's name on it. Um, that it was just something new. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I get it. Like they want fans of the runaways to pick this up. Um, but you can give it a new name and then Marvel, you know, if you advertise your comics, you know, with ads, you could say for fans of the runaways. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you look at all of their stuff. I mean, it, it, both of the big companies, like they're always going to recycle. I know. And, but you know, like, you in a perfect world. <laughs> It'll work. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Uh, but yeah. All right. Cool. So, Bob. Yowza. Are you ready, sir? Sure. You've got three minutes and go. Starting with Spider Island number one, where I had to avert my eyes from the truly awful cover, and I didn't get much out of the first Spider Island Battle World story because I didn't spend I didn't spend five bucks on it anyway. The second story is worth the price of mission all by itself. It's entitled Shattered, and it's by Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, and Sal Buscema, and stars Mae Parker, who now calls herself Spider Woman. And these were the creators on the Spider Girl book for a, more than a hundred issues. And it just, this picks up right after the rather dastardly deeds that Dan Slott perpetrated on the Parker family back <laughs> in the other event. But you actually get, there's some allowances because of the event, but it, it is really to the tone and vibe of what that original series was all that long ago. So any fans of uh, Spider-Girl from back in the day, you want to be picking up Spider Island, though at $5, it is a bit much. Uh, speaking of Dan Slott, there's Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, number two, which was better than the first one in that Peter kind of acted like Peter most of the time, which, oh, is, hey. which is good. Uh, I'm still not completely committed, but I've already pre-ordered them, so I'm stuck. Uh, it was nice to see the Power Pack kids, but great improvement over the first one. Committed. I'm committed. I should be committed. Renew Your Vows. You're slot committed. Uh, hey. hey! All right. <laughs> uh, Gotham Academy number eight. I, I definitely don't want to spoil anything here because it's just a really great, great issue. But from the cover, it's pretty easy to see that it's a bad day for all of Silverlock. I love that cover. And it only gets worse as plot elements and threads from all the earlier issues sort of weave themselves into this grand tapestry of nasty. But it is still fun and charming, but is a little darker this time around. We have some mystery pulling in as to what's gone so wrong. But uh, people, this book needs some help, so just jump on that. Then there's Starfire number two. Uh, the story by Amanda Carr and Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, well, it, it, we're past the setup, and now Corey is fully here in this issue as a hurricane strikes in her Key West home. It's a lovely and lively tone. It's not marred by any real ick moments that I could see, and except in one truly bad panel, one really bad panel, and a couple of odd camera angle choices. The art was much more respectful than in number one. I have hope again that this will be a fun light sort of series and there's an interesting guest star coming soon Hmm. i think based on some events here Mm -hmm. so that's it for me all right bob had 32 seconds left just people keeping track at home (laughs) um (laughs) uh, the tally of how much time bob has left over on his lightning rounds um should have a pool yeah going for the end of the year yeah yeah. So uh, I know if some people have read. I read some all of, of these yeah. books. I didn't, read, I, didn't read, I didn't read Spider Island, but I read okay. all the other ones that you spoke about. So, yep. Uh, I'm ready to, to sound off. Okay. I loved Renew Your Vows. I thought it was fantastic. Um, really great. Um, really looking forward to seeing where, where all that goes. We got the kind of more idea of the world around mm-hmm. them and, and what was going on, which I liked. And also, it seems. Mary Jane is more than met the eye in in, in the first issue as well, yeah. uh, which is cool. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing where where all of this kind of goes. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I like that one a lot. I don't know, Steve. What what do you think? Renew your vows. 
I didn't read it. Oh. I thought you said you read all of them except for Spider Island. Bob is 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 omitting a, a piece of the story from his lightning round that he was very grumpy when he picked up two of the books that he spoke about, <laughs> and so much so what, that this, I put the, them back. What this cover? Both no, both of these. <laughs> you when we looked at this in the store, you were you were not. Oh, hot. is it the I Spider Island no. one with like the boob that's like in the wrong spot? It's like lifted up to her chin, and like the other one that's is the one. like. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's Spider the, Island. That's Spider Island with, uh, and she's got her shorts with a drawstring and a rather. Yeah, we discussed uh, that last week yeah. when we were like looking at yeah. it, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. what yeah, is so, going yeah. on? Like, her yes. boob gravity is just, it is, it is out of whack. <laughs> I think uh, you should start an no, all-girl punk band called Boob Gravity. Seven, eight. <laughs> that would that would that would be great. And the first song can be called "Those Butt Munches." I think that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, renew your vows. I, again, I think it's better, mm-hmm. and we'll see. Uh, again, we'll have to see mm-hmm. where it goes. I'm, I'm in because mm-hmm. I pre-ordered. Because you order, you bought them already. I bought them already, and I don't stiff my guy. He made, <laughs> he ordered not too many of those. <laughs> uh, Steve has Gotham Academy. I know Stephanie wants to jump in on Starfire at some I point do. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Steve, what about Gotham Academy? What do you think? I think it's still one of the best mm-hmm. books on the shelves. I love it. I, I'm so happy that Carl uh, Carlshaw is back. And that uh, we get we get visited. I won't give it away, but we get visited from one of my favorite obscure uh, Batman characters in in a different way this time. I like the kind of like like Harry Potter. You, I often wonder, like Miss McGonagall mm-hmm. and all the Trelawney, like who were they before they were working at Hogwarts? Mm-hmm. Like I would read novels and stories based on those characters if J.K. Rowling ever wanted to write them, and I like the idea that older characters maybe even villains come and they're professors and we're finding out that i won't name anybody but like so and so is the science teacher mm-hmm. so and so is the art director so and so is the librarian yeah yeah, right. yeah yeah like just really cool little things like oh man that's that character that must mean and then i turn the page and i'm like that's what's going on with mm-hmm. him and uh it's just it's different it it's still it's still even from when it first started it still has that kind of uh like Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys feel to it. Uh, Maps, even though she hasn't been with Olive, I, I think is still one of the the breakout characters from the book. There's one panel with her where she's just buzzing with uh, <laughs> some news that is straight out of a uh, Sailor Moon uh, cartoon, and it just it cracked me up. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I and Starfire was pretty cool too. I, I'm enjoying the art a little bit more than the story, but I do like the. Uh, the heroics and whatnot, but I'll pass mm. that book on yeah. to you guys. Staff? Yeah, I actually wanted to m- give some props to Starfire because I thought that the second issue amended a lot of the problems that I had with the first one. Uh, the second issue got rid of a lot of um, her, Corey's bimboine, and um, she she was fun. She actually felt like the character that I was familiar with uh, in Teen Titans, and, you know, I think that's largely due to her being given heroing to do, like you said, Bob. Mm -hmm. Um, And I enjoyed that aspect of it. I really enjoyed seeing her in action and seeing her kind of her way of trying to deal with, um, you know, what's thrown at her. Um, I still don't like necessarily. I, I, I think they're cute in a way. The panels where somebody says something and she takes it very literally, literally visualizes it. Yeah. I don't know, but I, I kind of find them weird like i don't i don't necessarily enjoy them they're kind of off-putting to me in a way but 
I, I understand why they're in there and they're like, oh, this is cutesy. I just, I think that it sounded better like when they were like, let's do this than it actually is. Um, but that's my only real nitpick, I think, for um, the second issue. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to try, you know, uh, it's, it's one really crappy one for me and one really good one for me. So I'm going to give it another shot and see if it falls um, what side of the fence it kind of I follow on. There you go. Yeah, I love the second issue. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, I actually really love those little aside things. Um, the give me a hand one was the one that yes, got me yeah. the most. Uh, I, I just think it's great. And I love that. Uh, I love kind of the vignette like the, the, the little kind chapters, of little kind chapter of thing, yep. episode headings mm-hmm. on them, which I, which I think are great. And, you know, I, I love that. The, he, they kind of use this natural disaster to sort of start to set up kind of the more supernatural stuff that's going to be happening to her um, as she goes along, which I, I thought was great. So I'm look, really looking forward to to the, the other issues a lot. Yeah, it's one of the most heroic books I've read this year, mm. as far as somebody demonstrating uh, heroics and stuff like that. I love what they do with her hair. <laughs> Every single panel where it's, it's streaking across the page, like absolutely in love with that mm. that look. It's a great book if you love parrots too. Yes, <laughs> Birdie. <laughs> I know of a couple birds that I'd like to throw into a hurricane. <laughs> hey, look, an ad for Prez. Yep. <laughs> Did you even see that? The art is cool. All right, um, all right, my turn. Here we go. So uh, JLA number two, Brian Hitch. Uh, I really liked the second issue quite a bit, uh, much more than the first issue, in fact. It really feels like it's kind of harkening back to the sort of Grant Morrison, uh, Mark Wade days of Justice League of America, which I really like. Uh, it's the exact kind of Batman. Kind of basically, the, the plot is Rao, the the god of Krypton, mm. shows up on Earth, and Superman's like, "We should all listen to this guy. Like he's a he's a, the god." And and yeah. Batman's kind of like, "Yeah, maybe he's a god, but let's make sure we can take him down." Yeah. And so he's he's all in the background planning stuff, which I love. <laughs> um, and there's one where Superman's falling out of the sky, and everyone's like really. Ner- scared about it like he's superman's falling and batman just looks at him and goes he'll bounce (laughs) 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 which i thought was great so really good i love the i love the dichotomy i I, I think it really warmed up since the first issue um age of apocalypse number one fabian nicenza and uh pub was it uh gerardo gerardo sandoval it's really super like almost parodying the 90s sort of of art style uh but it was fun it was a fun story i i enjoyed it um i couldn't take this kind of art style for a long time but for kind of a mini series it it was a fun kind of little thing Uh, 1872 number one uh which is all these kind of marvel characters in in 1872 you know steve rogers is the sheriff stuff like that i thought it was really cool it's a really good use of kind of the secret wars formula of of these all these random weird kind of things I, i think it works very well um Rebels number four, which is Brian Wood, Andrea Muti, and Dirty Belair, continues to be uh, really one of my favorite series going. Uh, love the, the the Revolutionary War setting. Love the the focus on Vermont. There's an essay in the back by Brian Wood where he talks about being from Vermont, which I did not know. Wow. So that's interesting as well. Um, and being from Vermont myself, it, it really is an intriguing read for me. Uh, and I think that there's some. I don't think there's there's definitely characters we follow, and, and one character in particular. I don't think he does a particularly good job of 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 draw like of drawing out those characters' traits in a, in, a, in a lot of memorable ways. It's much more about the plot for me, so that would be the only one down uh, downside I'd say. But I don't care because I'm enjoying the plot stuff so much. So that was very good. And uh, finally, Strange Fruit, uh, J.G. Jones and, and Mark Wade, a very kind of polarizing book. 
this week it tells a story of 1927 uh the the south uh, floods are coming and uh it, it uh, tells a story, you know, a very racist, very, you know, um, a, a very racist time. And I thought it did a, a good job. I, I thought the art was gorgeous and I, I enjoyed the story. You know, that there is some kind of pulpy stuff to it, which which I, I thought worked. And I, I'm in to, to check out the next uh, few. I mean, it's just I can't I can't overstate how gorgeous uh, the book is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say. Uh, reviews i think have been all over the place very positive very negative some uh, and mm-hmm. nothing really in between and i would say you know if you have if, if it's interesting to you check it out either side of the fence you're on i think it's at least uh worth a read to, to, to give it a chance and that's it oh that was perfect i, uh, I wasn't even looking that time yeah uh, that's pretty the, good the art is amazing jg jones has been around for a good long while it's very painted mm-hmm. and painterly but not i love alex ross but he does posters better than books mm-hmm. often. Yes, totally. J.G. Jones panel layouts are amazing. There's tons of action flowing between panels within the panels themselves. Just really super. And the story is very arresting, I mm-hmm. thought. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, there's... I didn't know really anything about the book before I started reading it. I knew that it took place in 1927. I knew it dealt with issues of race. Uh, but I didn't know kind of the other hooks to it. And I'm assuming most people who who would get the book know the hooks to it, but there's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a more kind of sci-fi hook to it, which I did not yeah. realize. Uh, and I thought that it's kind of, you know, taking sort of a classic story, but, uh, you know, putting the, you know, the black man in kind of the, the place of the usual white character, which, which I think is interesting. Um, uh, the, the, one of the things that it brought to my attention too was I actually got an email about this from someone in the PR, and I think Mark Way was actually tweeting about it today. But there's a, a book of the same name uh, that's out there that um, I got. I looked it up before, and now I think I lost it. It's called Strange Fruit as well, um, and it's on Amazon. It's it's a graphic telling uh, uh, of the, the same sort of situation, obviously a more realistic take mm-hmm. uh, uh, on it, uh, which I think is worth looking up. I'm definitely I'm actually going to buy it because I want to check it out and see sure. um, kind of the the reality uh, behind what the the science fiction here is in this book. Uh, yeah, but there was some dust up because it's the same name and it, maybe this would eclipse that that book. But it seems like it's actually bringing more attention to it, which is good. Uh, Bob, but the name means something else too. Oh right? yeah, yeah. I thought Steve was going to jump mm-hmm. in on the book first. Oh, do you want to, Steve? Sorry. I really like dialects. Okay. <laughs> and I love reading. Uh, like written word dialects of, of South. It doesn't matter where you're from. Uh, there were a couple of books where like they have their own languages, these different worlds where they speak their own things. I'm always super interested in that. Uh, I loved a lot of the language of the book and it was just, I didn't know anything about it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I thumbed through it in the store. I thought it was beautiful. I picked it up. Um, I'd seen rumblings and I'm like, well, this is something that might, you know, need mm-hmm. to be talked about. So I'll go and I'll pick it up. Uh, I just, by the end of it, I was like, it's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. I don't want to yeah. give away what's going on in the book, but um, satisfying to to a degree. Yeah, you know, for for me as a, as a reader of it, and uh, I'm definitely interested to check out uh, another issue. Yeah, uh, the 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 book is by someone named Joel Christian Gill. Um, it's called Strange Fruit: Uncelebrated Narratives from Black History. Um, which impact, I'm reading the description here, which impacts its power through drawings and pointed texts that chronicle the trials and triumphs of black Americans who struggled against prejudice more than a century ago. And a moment when racial inequities have united this nation, Mr. Gill offers direction from the road ahead from the road behind. Um, so I think it's worth checking out. It's on Amazon. It is, um, it's only $12. So wow. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be picking that up. Uh, but Bob, sorry. But, yeah. yeah. No, that's a, no, I want to make sure we mm. got Steve in here. No, I, I hear this title and the first thing that comes to my mind is Billie Holiday. Mm. Uh, it was one of her signature tunes. It's, it was a poem 
Uh, I knew it by a fellow named Lewis Allen. Turns out Lewis Allen's real name is Abel Mirapol, <laughs> which I didn't know until today. But he wrote it in 1937 and performed it. It was set to music by his wife, Laura Duncan, and they performed it at Madison Square Garden. And it created such a buzz that somebody brought the song to Billie Holiday. Uh, it's disputed as to whether the songwriter did himself or someone did or her producer did. And she wanted to do this song. The song is about lynching the South. It's about strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. Okay. Black fr- flesh mm-hmm. rotting and so on and so forth from this poem. And Columbia Records, who Billy recorded for, didn't want to release it. They thought there'd be too many repercussions in 1939 to do that. And it found its way to a fellow named Milt Gabler who ran Commodore Records. And he was all for it. He was all for doing this, and so she cut a really brilliant version in 1939, and we're going to try to find ourselves a version. We'll link on mm. the post here, but listen to it and listen to what someone in that time had to say in the emotion in, in Billy's voice as she does that. No one delivered a song the way she did. So Strange Fruit, for me, that's right where we go. <laughs> so that's that's my little, little part of history today. Yeah, and I want anybody who's listening, I would love to hear, you know, your perspective on the book. I think it's a very interesting um topic of of conversation. Um you know, you can tweet us, but it's that's a very short way to do it. You know, email me, Bobby at talkingcomicbooks.com because I'd love to hear, you know, what you think of the book and, and if you had strong objections to it or, or, or strong like of it, I, I I'd really like to know. Absolutely. I have two bands for you to check out, Bob. Okay. You're just talking about Billy Holiday. Uh, I'll get you I'll get you some copies of okay. a band called Alabama Shakes. Okay. And a solo artist named Leon Bridges. I've heard some rumbling about him lately. He is amazing. And Alabama Shakes is just wild. Okay. Uh, I just heard them last week over 4th of July. Have not stopped listening to either album. They're incredible. Now, of course, everyone knows, you know, Dana Ross played her in Lady Sings the Blues and did a really good job. There's also a, a uh, blues singer from New Orleans named Madeline Peru, who most closely approximates Billy's tone. And first time I heard her singing something, it was that's some Billy Holiday track. I don't know. Well, no, it's not. It's it's somebody new singing, not a not an imitation, but just in that way. Mm-hmm. And it was special. The singer of Alabama Shakes has this like deep baritone female, but it's it's like almost at the beginning you can't tell because it's so deep, but it's so soulful, and the the music is all like straight funk. It's really really cool. good. Very nice. Yeah, you know. Bring it, bring it, bring it to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve. Book yeah. of the week time. What do you got? For oh, us? I was. I thought we were talking about the shared book of the week. No, no, we I'm a jerk. Solo books <laughs> of the week first. All right, it's the way the show works. I don't know if you've ever been on it before. No, 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 no. Thank you for having me. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, do I this like other this. Podcast. I like this. Bobby Sass and Steve for once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you focus your rage on him. You do it. You do it. Take it, Steve. Wow. wow. <laughs> Carry on, everyone. Just How so, many of those, those coffee pops have you had? You see, Bobby used to sass me all the time, Stephanie, until he met you. Oh, that's so sweet. In the early, in the early days, trust me, I got sassed. I, I, got sassed I got sassed real good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks for being Bob tonight, Steve. No problem. I should be so lucky. No, wrong. All right, I'm going to throw up. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Bobby. My <laughs> assassing everybody. My favorite book of the week <laughs> is called Can I Can I Can I please? Are we good? <laughs> but my book of the week is from Archaea, uh, and it's called Long Walk to Valhalla. 
And it's uh, from Adam Smith and Matthew Fox. And before I talk about it, I actually want to send a shout out of thanks to our friend uh, Lauren Colleagues, who attended San Diego Comic-Con this past weekend out of nowhere. She's just like, I get a ride to the airport. I'm like, well, I, I didn't do that, but I did pick her up. <laughs> um, so she got the book uh, signed for me. It says, be happy, make comics, and uh, and both artist and writer. This book is something really special, and I have a feeling that it's going to get passed around because it's going to it's gonna come up later in, in later months. Oh. Um, I'm going to try to paint you a picture of this of this story, but I don't want to give away too much. Um, a guy is basically he returns. To, he's driving through his his hometown, and his car breaks down in the middle of nowhere. There's just cornfields on on either side. He gets out of his car. He checks it. It's it's done. It needs work. So he goes to pull out his phone. His phone has no minutes left. So he collapses his phone and he throws it into the cornfield. No and he's minutes. Like, well, no minutes. He's buying cards. This guy. <laughs> Seriously, who does that? So. He decides that he's got to walk back to town. And as he's walking back to town, he's kind of like remembering things about what it was like to grow up there. And uh, it takes place down south, I believe, in Alabama. And uh, all of a sudden, there's a rustling in the cornfields. And he's like, what the hell is that? And a young woman, a little girl, comes out of the cornfields (gasps) who claims to be a Valkyrie. And she's, she's with Thor and Odin and all these people. And she says to this guy, she's like, this is who I am, and I'm, I'm here to walk you to your death. You're going to die today. Oh. And he's, he kind of figures that, like, she's a little bit loose in the head, and he, he doesn't want her to be out in the middle of nowhere. So he's going to, you know, where's your parents? Like, I'm going to walk you back to your place as a way of getting back to town. And this, the story of the, of, of the book is that um, – this is hard to not spoil – they, they wind up at a barn and she asks him, they're like, you know, we're going to take a breather. We're going to grab some water and we're just going to, you know, before we head back to town. And she says, I want you to do something for me. I want you to sit on the floor and I want you to close your eyes. And when you open them, you're going to see something. So he does that. He closes his eyes. He opens it up. And when he opens up his eyes, there are all of these creatures walking around in the world. They're kind of like spirited away. If you want to think of the bathhouse okay. and spirited away, kind of like gods and spirits but they're actual creatures and he flips out and he flips out because he knew what they were before like they were even there like he wasn't freaked out because this was something new this was something that he expected to see his whole life but never did and now she's kind of unlocked this in him and it goes back to his older brother that he grew up with who was a special needs child who used to they believed would hallucinate these creatures all of the time, he finds out that they're real. And the book goes from there. Um, it is a, a very uh, personal and somber story at times, but not sad like like the red, uh, what was it? Red, Russian. Russian all after Red King. That's it. Yeah. And uh, a little bit lighter in tone, couple of laughs here and there. It's done in this, uh, what I absolutely love, I don't know if other people dig it, but that kind of, white and different blue tones uh type of artwork and uh it's just really really affecting stuff you get to go through this really really um just impactful and terrible time in this guy's life and how he came to be and who he grew up with and stuff like that and you kind of 
learn things about the world. It's one of those books that after you put it down, you kind of have to reflect on your own situation and maybe certain things that you need to give up the ghost. You need to let things go. Uh, and it's all about this really terrible time. And in between the walking from the broken car to town, talking these things out with this Valkyrie at his side, he confesses a lot of things to her and comes to a lot of realizations about who he is, who he was, things like that. Kind of a almost like a, like a Jeff Lemire uh, vibe to it and just really, really exploring the character and what makes them tick. And like, they assume like you assume that that they're not so much of a great person. And then when you realize why you kind of start to sympathize with them and then you watch them change throughout the story. Um, Really, really super good. Last couple of pages make the whole book. Like, just like you said with the other book, how like the end sealed it for you. The last couple of pages of this book, I dropped my jaw. My friend was actually, I was playing a game with him online and uh, he could hear me in my living room because we, we signed up on, on Gchat, and I'm like, just give me five minutes. I'm like, I need to finish this book. I got like six pages left, and the whole time, you could hear me in the background of my living room just going like, oh my god! Oh my god! And he's like, what? What? And I, I had to explain to him what it was. Uh, super, super, super good. Um, it's called Long Walk to Valhalla from Archaea, and I suggest that you find it and read it. It is the usual, just physically, usual great Archaea presentation. It is a lovely book. Yes, it's it is. bound and really nicely covered. Yep. Yeah. No extras, all story. Um, the artwork is positively just gorgeous. Uh, his names come up a lot, but I can't really think of anybody else that it reminds me of. It's kind of a combination between Becky Cloonan and who was the, um, Mariko, the, This One Summer. I can't remember their names. Oh. Tamakis. I do not remember. Tamakis. That's it. That's it. The Tamaki cousins. Oh, because they were on the last <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So, yeah, kind of reminiscent of that. Uh, Steph, I I believe that you should read this. I, I, I have really it, actually. It. I have it on my iPad. You do? Um, I just didn't get around to reading it before the show. I think you will enjoy it. There are lots of feels to go around. Oh, the feels. I know you like those feels. <laughs> They make me realize cool. that my heart may not be dead after all. <laughs> no way. Is the that book will possible. make you feel alive. Bobby's about to throw up again. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm just not. I'm not making any comments. Uh, um. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So, a long walk to Valhalla. Yes. Um, Adam Smith and Adam Smith and Matthew Fox. Not not the actor Matthew Fox. Not who said as far horrible, as I know, like on... racist things before. No, oh boy. He... <laughs> yeah. Did he? <laughs> yes. When was this? A couple years ago, I didn't. I never yeah, heard of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a shame. Yes, it's a shame. Is that why he hasn't had much work since? I think so. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen him in anything. To be fair, I maybe he was just a one-trick pony. Time. He was an all more. He was at least a two-trick pony, Matthew Fox. Nine hundred two one zero doesn't count. <laughs> he wasn't in now two and zero. Whatever. Pony. He was in party party of five. Oh, that's so much better. Oh, that's where I know. Uh, that. Yeah, it's it's party of five, and then lost. Okay. He's never been to the Peach Pit. <laughs> He's never been to the Peach Pit. No. <laughs> uh, all right. Cool. Um, Stephanie. Hi. Hi. What is your book of the week this week? I this book actually really surprised me. I read it because um, it, it, the cover looked really interesting. I didn't know anything about it and um, decided to pick it up uh, and check it out. And I was really pleasantly surprised. And uh, that book is um, Broken World Number One by uh, Frank J. Barbieri, who you may remember for from like Five Ghosts. Um, and I think he did one of the Avengers world 
The Doctor Strange. Yeah, that new Avengers. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then the art's by uh, Christopher Peterson, and this is from uh, Boom. So this was actually released um, at the beginning of June, and I'm only now just getting around to it. <sighs> it's been a it's been a stressful couple of months. Um, but anyways, this book really surprised me. Um, basically, there's uh, there's an Armageddon like event happening. Um, the people of I believe it's Earth can see this asteroid that's about to hit them and it's like an extinction level type situation um they know that they're about to die and um, there's been a lottery uh, and basically these ships have taken people off world and they're the people that are going to survive and you know carry on uh the human race um so for the lottery in order to qualify for it you can't have, like, a criminal record. Um, you need to be, like, a good citizen. Basically, they just want, you know, good people uh, carrying on the human race. They they don't want convicts and, I don't know, bad people. They don't Snargle want bad juju on, in space. No riffraff. No riffraff in space. Because <laughs> nothing good comes from that. Um, That's right. So we start the story by meeting this one character. Um, uh, I believe her name is... Uh, Elena, and there's clearly some shenanigans going on with her. She seemingly has a really normal life, husband with a great job, she has a family, um, but she's going to get, like, a fake passport. Like, she's basically getting a completely new record for herself. Um, and she's been approved for the lottery because of her husband, uh, but they haven't looked too closely at her, I don't think. So, um, she's going to extreme lengths to kind of make sure that nobody looks at her too closely. Um, and, uh, yeah, she obviously wants to go off world, survive, um, this extinction of, you know, human race and, uh, be with her family. Um, but that doesn't go as planned. So as the book progresses, um, and you kind of learn a little bit more about what's going on with her, um, so some stuff happens, some, some shenanigans, um, if you will. And, um, you know, people are obviously not happy that they're being left on earth to die. They can literally see their, their fate, you know, it's coming at them. It's a big fiery ball of death. Um, <laughs> and, and they're not pleased. Um, uh, so they're, they're trying to get off world. There's riots, there's. All kinds of things happening to, um, you know, these people are trying to either escape or make it so that the people remaining on Earth suffer with them. Um, it's, it's like, if you can't go, you'll suffer with us. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, that's I, I don't want to give away how um, the first issue ends or anything, but um, that was what really kind of hooked me. I, I was I was really enjoying it. I thought that the characters were great. And the level of intrigue was perfect. You know, like, they didn't give you too much information, uh, but just enough to kind of hook you and make you think, mm -hmm. oh, what's happening? Like, what's going on? And kind of really start trying to ponder, um, you know, the story. And, uh, yeah, I thought they did a really excellent job. It's a four-issue miniseries, I think, uh, 
from I, I, I think I took a look at comic book resources here. Yeah. So it's slated to be a four issue miniseries. Um crazy. But yeah, I, I just thought that this was excellent. Did any of you guys read this? I have. Yeah, see what do you think of it? I a lot of what Stephanie said. I, it's really intriguing. It's really cool. The second issue uh just adds to the pile, if you will. Uh, there's a couple of really quiet moments, but I think it's it's for it's deliberate in letting you feel what it's like to be living in like a post post apocalyptic mm. world. Um, gives there are still well, characters it's, alive it's, it's in the second issue. Post, it's like pre post. That's yeah, actually, like that's that. a better way of putting it. Mm. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's the story doesn't take the turn that you'd expect. And you have to uh, you have to constantly adjust to new circumstances. Okay. So I like I like a book that keeps you guessing, and the main character is is very strongly written. Um, you got a really like a you're in it with her. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, that has elements of some of my favorite science fiction stuff films, particularly one older, one newer. When worlds collide mm-hmm. from back in the fifties, which is yeah, if one fella has can he has enough money to buy his way off the planet, basically. I didn't know it was only four issues. I didn't either until I was looking at uh, the preview for it because I just wanted to bring up um, the the names of the people who worked on the book so that I was actually prepared for once. It's funny (laughs) because I I talked to Frank Barbieri, um, special edition, and he I think he gave me broken. Yeah, he did. He gave me Broken World, and um, he said he's like, oh, I just I did this little story for Boom, Mm -hmm. and I was like, in my head, I was like, little story. I'm like, this this looks yeah, like it's yeah. going to be pretty epic just by looking <laughs> at it. And what he meant was that it's going to be a very short story. story. So Yeah, I mean, the cliffhanger was perfect. Like, again, the rest of the story was just, it was great. And that cliffhanger, though, it sealed the deal. Like, I'm in it for the duration of the series. I, I, I need to know what happens. Um, like, to me... Already at issue one, what happens is comparable to um, – I, I don't want to spoil Saga for you, so for anyone who hasn't gotten to the newer stuff yet. But um, at one point in time, Marco and Alana, Alana get separated, and like that tore me apart. And after one issue, I had almost that same feeling that you know took Brian K. Vaughn 20-something issues to build. So that's that's where we're talking on like character development in a, in one issue guys. So wow. Yeah. Serious stuff. And so how many issues are out as we two? speak? Two. Just two. It's All good. right. Awesome. Worth reading. Yeah. I know Justin uh Townsend has been really loving it. Yeah. It's good. It's I, super good. I have the first issue sitting in my house. He gave it to me. That was like 2 months ago oh. or a month ago and I still haven't read it. <laughs> You'll read it now. Yeah, maybe. Well, if Stephanie, likes it. If Stephanie yeah. likes it, I'll definitely won't read it. <laughs> Sounds just like me, Stephanie. It it's uncanny. <laughs> it's, un- it's uncanny. Canny. Uncanny. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. I'm going to mute you, Stephanie. Yeah, I was going to say, you could just mute me. <laughs> I have the power of editing. I can get all that out. It's all right. Power. <laughs> Bob. By the power of Grayskull. Your book of the week. Well, I thought that considering the Misfits will be covering the Star Trek universe over the next few episodes, that my pick should be Star Trek New Visions number 7 from IDW, 
uh, written and photo montaged by John Byrne. And this story is called 1971-4860.2. A new enemy has arisen that requires the help of an old ally, in this case from back in 1971. The story here, there's an ambassador for a race we've never met before called the Diraxi. I think that's how you press D-H-O-R-A-X-I. I'm going with Dirac. Okay, I'll go with you. And their ambassador has come aboard the Enterprise to be ferried to a peace conference that will seal their surrender to the Federation after a little little border war that they had. And things are going well, except their ambassador, Ambassador Zayo, he passes along a request to Kirk that, oh, uh, my, my superiors would like you to beam down to the planet before we go. There's some instruction I need to give you personally. He beams down to the planet. The whole star base is destroyed. Everything's gone, including his ship. His ship. 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 He discovers that these people haven't really met human beings before. The Diraxi have actually gone backwards in time, gone back to Earth, and wiped out the human race in 1971, so destroyed the Federation before they ever show up. (laughs) Now, Kirk being Kirk, he's a resourceful kind of guy. He goes and he finds all this stuff out, steals a ship, realizes he has to get back in time himself to fix what's gone wrong. Now he has you know, no ship, no crew, no anything. As has been usual with this series, John Byrne, his grasp of, of Star Trek, the original series, is epic. And he goes back to the planet for, with the Guardian of Forever from the city on the edge of Forever and makes a request. Look, you helped us once before. Well, I can't send you anywhere specifically. Yes, but there was this guy that we met back in the old days who has a machine that can actually travel through time. Can you link me to this device? We can try. We shows up in the office of it's a character named Gary Seven. It's from the last episode of season two. It was called Assignment Earth, which John Byrne did a miniseries of his own somewhere <laughs> a couple of years ago. As played by Robert Lansing, who people might remember from a show called 12 O'Clock High or the 4D Man science fiction movie. He's in the most emotional Star Trek episode ever. Uh, Star Trek, I'm sorry, Twilight Zone. It's called The Long Morrow with Marriott Hartley. He's an astronaut who is going to fl- go into suspended animation and fly away into space for 70 years. Okay. And falls in love just before he leaves. Ah, yes. Uh, we won't spoil a Twilight Zone for anybody, okay. even though it was 50 years ago. Anyway, uh, Kirk shows up in 1971. Gary Seven, in the episode Assignment Earth, he was an Earthman taken away to a, a, an alien planet thousands of years before to be raised by aliens and given uh, advanced technology to come back and be our protector. So he has all sorts of fancy computers and devices, and he and Kirk get on well again. And I won't go too much further. There's a guest appearance by John Byrne in this, playing a crusty old prospector without all his teeth on. In, on a, I thought Nevada, you were going to say prostitute. Right, no, in Nevada ghost town. Uh, it is it is really lovely the way this is handled, in that you get elements of two or three different shows turned into something new. And this is basically all the way through. This series has been the lost fourth season of Star Trek. It ended at three, got canceled, and now we're picking up threads, moving them forward. What what could have happened to Gary Seven? Though we don't get to see his secretary, who was Roberta Lincoln back in the day, it was Terry Gar, one of her first appearances in the Drawn series. She would not allow her likeness to be used and wouldn't allow her photos to be used. So she she's a voice on the phone, <laughs> but she is there. 
again, the original episode is one of the my favorite episodes, number 20 on my crazy list that I posted on the Misfits website. <laughs> uh, actually, on our forums, their thread on our website. If you're a fan of Star Trek, the original series, you need to be picking up Star Trek New Visions. There's one trade out so far. I think this will be in the second one, which is probably due out long around December or so. But it's Star Trek New Visions, in this case, number seven. All right. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so moving on uh, for my book of the week. Uh, I'm going to talk about Injection, number three. Uh, this is uh, Warren Ellis, Declan Shelby, and uh, Jordi Belair. And I talked about the first issue a couple months ago when it came out. And, you know, I, I'm i always sort of I'm, I'm always unsure about of when I read image number ones, if by number three or number four I'm going to be kind of moved off of it and waiting for a trade mm-hmm. to, to come out. Uh, this is one of those series that uh, I have not, and, and three is three. Third issue is very much like a linchpin issue for me a lot of the times. Because if I read one, I love one. I'll always read the second one, but then the third one is kind of the one that's usually make or break for me. It's usually this is either either I'm not going to read this anymore, or I'm going to wait for the trade, or no, I'm going to have to pick this yeah. up month after month. That's usually kind of how it goes for me. And issue three of Injection uh, was really fantastic. And what what I love about the book is that. It's very high-minded, and we spoke about Warren Ellis last week, right, about the kind of writer that sometimes it can drive you insane because of kind of the yeah. how obtuse he can be in, in his writing, and it's, it's tough to, to dig into it. And Injection definitely has obtuseness, right? It definitely has things that you don't know that are intentionally kept from you. It has ideas that are very big that, that, you know, it's tough to parse out just looking at it from kind of inside, not from a bird's-eye view, and... But while it does that, it also has a centered plot that moves forward that is easy to understand and gives you something to kind of hold on to while you're trying to understand the other bigger moments. Um, we, we still don't really know what the title refers to in, in a lot of ways. We know that it's it's some sort of uh, malicious force. Uh, they reference it a few times, the injection. And what we're starting to learn in this issue is that the injection is, is is something scientific. We know this. What we know, though, is is it will take folklore and ideas that we've propagated and make them real. So, but it has to follow. It, it can't create. They can't create anything itself. So it has to follow the rules that are set out. So if there's weird sort of superstitious rules to what can stop these things. Uh, it will work here, and like, w- like, there's not like, this is not a, this is not a spoiler, but like, the way they solve a problem, this is that the person who's affected has to turn their jacket inside out, because in <laughs> in the folklore of this thing of this spriggan, which is like a nymph, like a wood nymph, it is the way you kind of get from out from a, a spell is you t- have to turn your clothes inside out. Interesting, and it has to follow those rules. So it's like if Bloody Mary was a thing, mm-hmm. and there was a way to get rid of her. Yeah. That so okay. It would be affected by that. Like if it if it's taking the, like let's say it became a vampire, it couldn't go out in the daylight. It would be affected by garlic, all of that kind of stuff. That's really neat. Yeah, yeah. it takes. A, and we're just starting to kind of get the idea of what's going on here, right? Because, oh man, there is there there seems to also be supernatural stuff happening as well. And one of one of our main characters, whose name is uh, Robin, uh, he he comes from a line of. Um, basically wizards uh and he but he is not one you know he's not a clever man he keeps saying that this 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 kind of this kind of force keeps wanting to him to be part of what's going on and he keeps denying it and and so he, he but he is kind of the 
occult kind of reference for this group. This our our lead character, who, whose name is Maria Kilbride, she's a scientist who was part of some sort of team that this other guy was also part of. That something happened to them. We don't know yet what Uh-oh. happened to them, but it definitely has something to do with what's going on now. Whatever affected them then is is back now, and. There is just some really cool story. There's and there's there's characters that we haven't really gotten to know very well yet that are, are, are fascinating, and, and it seems like they're really kind of painting a nice world a, a, and cast that I'm very interested to see. You know how how it goes on. The, the art by Declan Shelby. I mean, this is going to say a lot. I, I think it's the best thing I've ever seen him do. Wow. Uh, I, mean, I opened this one page before, yeah, look at that. but it's like an amazing page of this Wild. one character. Uh, and, you know, he's so great because he's great at detail, but he's also great at when to use negative space, which we have a big time in Moon Knight, obviously. That was a central conceit of Moon Knight. And he uses it here uh, as well. Um, it, it's got an occult nature to it, it's, but it's also got a, a procedural nature to it. You know, it's got kind of like an X-Files type of feeling to it. There's a bureaucracy that's behind whatever this paranormal kind of um or extra normal team that that we're seeing go here and there's more to be had than just kind of esoteric um supernatural stuff which which i really really like um is it a limited or an ongoing i believe it's an ongoing i believe there's no kind of one of whatever or number three of whatever listed in the in the notes i'm pretty sure it's an ongoing series um how whoever knows how long that's going to be you know i don't know what ongoing means for them but i don't think it has an issue count to it that they've published or anything like that nice but I, I, you're not reading Injection. I mean, I would assume that in a couple of months, probably two months, we ha- we'll have the first trade hit the shelves. If you're waiting for that, do, do not hesitate to pick it up. I, I think it's a, a fantastic series and one that people should definitely read. Cool. I'm glad that that, that panned great. out. Yeah, it's it's really great. It's it's a really, really great series. Um, just the right amount of confusion okay. is the way <laughs> I like to put it with it. Uh, keeps, keeps you guessing. Keeps you guessing. Nice. All right, so... Uh, well, let's let's talk about Archie. Let's just go right. Let's go right to it. Alrighty then. Archie number one. I believe Steve. This was your assignment. It was my assignment. Mm. That we bullied you into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was getting threatening text messages before I announced my book yeah. last week. <laughs> it's like you know you're gonna pick Archie number one, right? <laughs> like yeah, I was going to do that anyway. Damn right you were. <laughs> so uh, for the Ar- record, I don't think that was me. No, it wasn't. No. No, it was our friend Lauren was texting for Bobby. Yeah, yeah, she was <laughs> listening to the show. Uh, we were kind of on the break in between, uh, and it was still live for the Patreon uh, members. And I mean, I think we assume I send, I'm the one that sends threatening texts. Yeah, absolutely. But... Well, usually it's it's a safe assumption. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, that's only You fair. don't send me Maybe. threatening texts. Our text string is, is just, it's cats. <laughs> it's lots and true. lots of cats. <laughs> um, and but we were on break, and Steve had and run that Kate Beaton thing. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that was great. And Steve had run over to get a burrito or the burrito place an to get an empanada. And we knew Lauren was listening, so we t- we said, you know, make sure you text Steve and tell him he has to pick Archie for the <laughs> for the shared book of the week. Well, mm-hmm. contrary to bullying. <laughs> I was going to pick Archie anyway, because like I said, I needed to make up for Archie versus Predator. Oh, that's right. Yes. That was very good. <laughs> Redeem the Archieverse. Yes. So you got your story by Mark Wade, and of course, art by Fiona Staples with coloring. Why did I do this to myself? Andre uh, Seismanowicz? What it was? What? Yeah, Seismanowicz. Seismanowicz. I, I would say. That's yes. how you would say it. And Jen Vaughn. I got that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's the deal. This is after 74 years, they are revamping the Archie universe uh, using top talent. 
and they're just going to go for it. And uh, the story, very uh, loosely, is at the beginning of this uh, book, Archie and Betty have broken up. They have been together since kindergarten. Uh, they don't know any other way except to be together. But something uh, re- being referred to as the lipstick incident has occurred. And now they're on the outs and all of Riverdale High School is in a tizzy because if Betty and Archie can't make it as a couple, how can anyone else? That's that is the beautiful. story. That is the story. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what you it's I've I don't have the history or the background with Archie. All I've read is the afterlife with Archie and, you know, a handful of other little tiny things. So I'm not sure how much this adheres to the old school and how much of like the identity of those old characters is in this. But as far as this being like a a fourth wall breaking slice of life type of situation, comic book character book, I thought it was really, really charming and really enjoyable and I thought that the the updating of these characters, with the exception of that some of them still talk a little bit in that old school Archie vernacular at times, um, like some of their like their surprise expressions, like, oh, neato or keen or something, not keen, but there's a few <laughs> things in here. Um, beyond that, though, I mean, it, it was solid all the way through. I, I absolutely fell in love with Jughead. I, I really, really enjoyed his character. We can get into that a little bit more once we... Uh, we open the floodgates on this thing. But um, high school setting for me when I'm reading comics is always a really fascinating one because everybody, I'm assuming, has been through high school or at least the majority or schooling in general. And just the the clicks and the rumors and all of that stuff comes flooding back to you when you read something like this and you remember the way that it was. Like when I was reading Smile and reading, you know remembering what it was like to be in junior high and high school and how if you did anything or went anywhere people people knew about your life before you even had a chance to like parse it out for yourself and i love the idea of this power couple no longer being that and now all of these people that thought they had it figured out and believed in in these other these other kids are now kind of at a loss of what to do. And th- all they can think of is to get them back together because nothing else in their worlds makes sense. If that, that doesn't happen. And there's also like this really awesome kind of back to the future, Michael J. Fox, Archie <laughs> moment that happens in it. And uh, it's just absolutely awesome. Fiona Staples's artwork is just as good as it is in saga, um, but less troll vaginas. Yes. Slightly fewer troll vaginas. And uh, <laughs> dragon blowjobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But nearly as many predator scenes. Yeah, it's true. Or an Archie versus predator. It's true. That is <laughs> very true. Yeah. It's very, very true. Um, but I'll open up the floor. I liked it. Yeah. Stephanie, um, we you know we've said many, heard many times about you know kind of Archie being your gateway into comics. You grew up with the books. Uh, what did you think of, of Archie number one? Um, I I really liked it. I I feel like there was a couple things that were off putting to me, and I can't really put my finger on exactly what it was. Um, but I, I thought the story was really, really good. It gave some much needed um, modernism to the characters. And uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, Mark Wade's take on Betty, especially. I loved, um, you know, just, you know, she, she was like an onion. She had layers. <laughs> but true. probably smelled better and was prettier. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Archie. I liked... You know, um, 
him playing on stage. Jughead was fun. Um, I liked how the other teenagers really seemed to act like teenagers. Except, like, Fiona Stables draws teenagers like how Grease cast 29-year-olds <laughs> as 15-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, like, my only kind of... I think that was a bit weird because, like, you know, it, it's it's, like... Yeah, it it that's one of the things. Like they just look so old, and I guess that's a, in a way it makes it easier for people to kind of enjoy um, these teen romances without feeling skeevy. Because mm-hmm. um, you're like, yeah. oh, look at they're so cute. Oh, I have a crush on Betty, and they're like, oh right, sixteen, mm-hmm. <laughs> strange danger, <laughs> jailbait. Um, I, I guess you know I can understand why you would make that um, editorial decision to have them appear kind of older. Because, you know, Archie and all them, they've been around forever. Like, it's its really timeless to me. Um, but at the same time, it's its weird. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like Fiona Staples' art, like, a lot. I don't know if she's my favorite kind of choice for, like, artist for this. I know she's only doing it part-time. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I, I'd like to see someone else take a shot at uh, the revamped characters. Um, I'm really interested to see how they incorporate Veronica into this series, especially with the Betty and Veronica book um, coming out that's going to be written by Adam Hughes, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't want more of, you know, this love triangle. I'd love to see something completely new. Um, again, why not make them lesbians? <laughs> you know? Screw Archie. Let's, <laughs> they've always loved each other. You know, they they fall in love and Archie's just like, oh, well, I guess I've got my guitar. <laughs> is, this, um, is, is this your Archie fanfic that you write on your Tumblr, yeah. Stephanie? Betty Veronica <laughs> slash fiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's totally happening. <laughs> but no, realistically, I want there to be more than just a romance. Um, I know that's really kind of the core of what Archie has been for years, you know. Um, Betty and Veronica, who will he choose? <laughs> uh, but I, I, it's if you're going to make the book modern, um, change things up. I think they've said, too, that they're going to be doing that. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I thought it was a really strong issue. It was fun. Um, go Betty. Team Betty. <laughs> Bob, what do you think? I've read some Archie in my day, probably not nearly as much as Stephanie. It was from 40 years before, but <laughs> I thought Mark Wade's story was typical Archie sort of fair, but told from the serious angle of it. The characters seem like themselves. As Steve says, there are some of the usual exclamations, and it's more grown up, but it is not grown up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's for people looking for something skeevy, as Stephanie calls it, that's <laughs> not here really. Uh, it had to be very tough to try to make this transition. Where do you go? Who's this, who's the audience for this? Is it people who grew up with Archie looking for just more Archie? Is it someone new just who thinks about these characters, themes, and settings and wants to see what it's been about without having to go read 50-year-old Archie books? Mm-hmm. Or is it people following these creators? Or is it some combination of the three of them? And I, that's hard to come up with something satisfying. I think they really have here. I would definitely check out another one. I don't know. It continue on and on 
endlessly. I think a, a nice series of minis. I mean, we have the uh, the ad is in there for the Jughead mm. by Chip Zdarsky. We have a Betty and Veronica coming. It'd be nice to do fives and sixes and move on and, and just tell stories, I think. But I'm... I did like the art. Steve has a page open. The there's another guitar player for the band. Yeah, who looks like he's about fifty. I thought it was Mr. Weatherby for a second. <laughs> it, it was a little odd. It's a funny moment. But for me, my favorite page. I guess it's page five. It's a hallway shot. It's sort of over Archie's shoulder, and behind him is Betty in the hallway, mm-hmm. as there as he's addressing how they don't speak anymore, and she's looking at him and and. She wants to. She moves towards him and can't. It, it speaks volumes just in that, mm-hmm. that, that one page. I'm very taken by that. I enjoyed this a heck of a lot. Though, actually, I had one, I had one huh moment. Jughead acts logically. <laughs> he was my favorite character in the book. I mean, he always did the right thing. Mm-hmm. He was kind of doofy, but he always did the right thing. But this is, he thought this through and made it work. <laughs> very impressed. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. I think that. I think that the the audience for it is many t- groups of people, but I think that what they're hoping for is people who know the name Archie and ever because everyone knows it can go and read something now that isn't isn't something that feels antiquated. You know mm-hmm. what I liked about this, and what happens to a certain extent in you know uh, Afterlife with Archie is the characters are modernized, they're different uh, in in some ways, but really all the core aspects of them is, are still there. You know, uh, Archie is still the nicest guy, you know, in, in town and, um, Jughead is still the super loyal best friend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, 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 surrounding characters, although we don't get a ton with them, uh, you know, share seemingly the traits that they, that they had before. And I think it's just more about taking what made those characters great and stripping away the stuff that prevents people from reading them. You know it's the 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 kind of seventy year old um, you know baggage that comes when a yeah. book is about teenagers but doesn't really reflect what teenagers are like anymore, right? And that's what I think is good about this is that it doesn't take it into an adult space. It just makes it more in line with what someone of that age might want to read. You know, at, at this point, and uh, I think Stephanie, what you're saying about the way the characters look, I think it's very much. Um, it's very much in the style of like what all, except for Degrassi, <laughs> what all you know shows about people in high school do, which is to Degrassi didn't do that. Degrassi used teenagers. I know. I said except That's... Degrassi. Oh, yes. I wow. thought you were saying. Come on, Stephanie. Degrassi, and I was like Bobby. No, I said <laughs> except Degrassi, which is which is obviously an outlier in, 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 in kind of teen focused shows. You're so lucky. For the most part, <laughs> I'm so lucky that I said what I said. What <laughs> I was never gonna say anything different. Just because you yeah, misheard straight. me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, except for like something like Degrassi, very much as they do, they cast 24, 25 year olds yeah. to play teenagers because they don't, because they want them A, to be better looking and B, they want them to, you know, to see, look mature. And, and so people can watch it and have a connection to the characters. And like you said, Stephanie, not feel like they're watching kids. Um, and, you know, we'll see how that, that decision kind of goes out for them. I think Fiona, Fiona Sable is only on it for three issues i think is her she's very few issues i can't remember back to the announcement now but it's not i don't even think it's like a full five or six issues of an arc i think i i could be wrong you know who would be really fun for it um david aja that would be intense (laughs) why would that be intense not intense but i mean that's like i feel like that's too like abstracted why is that 
abstract. Because he doesn't do like, I don't know, I, like, I, I like the idea of this being a little bit more detailed, I guess. You know? He doesn't, you know, he, he's not all, he does much more kind of broad strokes. Hawkeye stuff. was so serious. No, it's not that it's not serious. I'm not talking about it being serious. I'm just I just mean like the style for me is not uh what I would lo- be looking for in an Archie book. That just for me. J.H. Williams the third. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I mean so much of what sold this book for me art wise is the expressiveness mm-hmm. of the characters. And not that Hawkeye characters aren't expressive, I don't want to say that. Yeah. I just it's just like the I, I like the more kind of fine detail in the faces and stuff. Yeah. So uh J- you said Jughead was your favorite character, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, he really, I mean, I, again, I don't know, I know next to nothing about mm. about Archie, and what I got of him in Afterlife with Archie was not very much. He's not very in it very He's long. not in it very much. Uh, I liked his kind of cunning, uh, I never, I never, they offer him food at one point. I know that much. Mm. I know that Jughead's supposed to be the guy that, like, it's his thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's always eating. He's yeah. like the shaggy of the Archie world or, or something like that. And what he was saying to people like he was he was being real with them and while everybody was fussing about trying to get Archie and and Betty back together he kind of had his own plan he had his you know his best friend's interests at heart and he's the only one that was acting kind of logically i liked his dry responses and and kind of calling people out on their ridiculousness and doing it so matter of factly um, it just, it reminds me, he reminds me of a couple of people that I know and I, in real life, appreciate that approach to things. And like, I've gone through things with friends in the past where I've seen people break up and I've watched people try to intervene and do things. I've been one of them in the past and it did not always work out so great for me. And I kind of learned my lessons mm-hmm. from that stuff and to hear him speak the way that he does about his friend and and his relationship and stuff like that. I was just, I was kind of like standing beside him being like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, I don't know. And he's a lot more calculated. Like everybody else behaved the way that I thought they would. He surprised me. Mm -hmm. And I want to see, I want to see more from him and and however long uh, the series goes on for us, presumably for a very long time. Or you would think so. 75 years. (laughs) So... Um, you do get a bonus feature. You get you the do. first appearance of Archie from Pep Comics. Yeah, I read 22. that. It was really hard to read, but I read it. <laughs> Archie was not a uh, not no, a good looking child. No. <laughs> no, that took a long time to get that iconic look. As a matter of okay. fact, in the interview we, we were talking about earlier that she, uh, Fiona Staples did for the time, she said Archie was the hardest for her to try to interpret. He mm. looked like a freckled beaver with a bowl cut. Yeah. Well, he looks sort of like yeah. Alfred E. Newman. Yes. yes. That's what he kind of looks like in that original. Oh, yeah. my God, right. you're right. Yeah, eventually gave him the sidewall on the, yeah. the, the cross-hatching. Yeah. There's a Looney Tunes character that kind of looks a little bit like Archie. can't remember. One of the, mm. Obviously, one of the humans, but uh, I'll figure it out. But, um, I mean, overall, what did it, everybody thought yeah, it was good? Thumbs up. I thought it was very good. Yeah. It was, you know, I, I think that yes, I was... Um, <laughs> I, 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 what, what I want to say about too before we move on, which, which is kind of what I took away the most from it, is that it is an special about it being an Archie book and it's an outlier among most comics. And there are some other ones that are like this, but this book is about him breaking up and him playing a guitar at the prom. There's no huge like action moments. There's no really even huge story progression moments. You know, it's just about characters in a high school 
doing things and that kind of slice of life nature to it um especially in a monthly comic is not present a lot you know it's, and something that's ongoing it's I, I think it's great to see that sort of storyline in in a book and, and i think archie's kind of always been about trying to do that but the and obviously it goes into more ridiculous territory in 75 years you're always gonna you know, yeah. things are gonna happen but this idea of bringing it down to this and kind of being where it is and playing with these very sort of mundane themes and ideas that are very recognizable to all of us, I think is really important and really cool. And that's one of the things that I liked about it the most was that it didn't try to push any sort of high drama. It was just, you know, Mm -hmm. little things here and there. And I really liked that about it a lot. I mean, we read so many, you know, like wild stories and, and fantasy and, and, espionage and and all kinds of things in comics stuff that would never happen to us in real life that it's it feels good to every now and again read something that you can relate to in some way Mm -hmm. feels familiar even though it's new yeah absolutely absolutely Uh, stephanie so your takeaway you liked it right i did (laughs) i thought it was great yeah um and just like you said i'm curious to see how they incorporate veronica into the story um and what her her role is going to be yeah because um, I really like, I would really like her to. I mean, obviously, she needs to. There, there's certain elements that need to exist for them to be Betty and to be Veronica. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like for her to be, you know, like not as shitty, <laughs> just as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I think there's something interesting about maybe her not being shitty, but her being kind of rough around the edges you I know mean, basically gossip girl is archie comics but you know <laughs> set in new york yeah it's true it is very true um you know I, I think that she can have moments of crassness and maybe uh, i would like to see her have a heart to her though i mean and they do that as well i mean i think that what they've done with her in kind of afterlife with archie has been in in that line you know where she says some really terrible things but in the end like she cares about what, what the people that she's with and i think that that will come i, I think in, in the series but uh, i think you know it's one of the things that mark way does so well which is to take characters that you know very very well and make them feel fresh without losing what makes them them and uh i'm in, yeah. I, you know this is something that i will pick up month after month you know as long as it stays good because it's just something a little breath of fresh air stuck in there uh, every month so yeah good uh Good choice, Steve. Yeah, I found it fascinating. We had three yes, different covers sitting around. We the table do, here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which cover did you get, Stephanie, or did you buy it digitally? I I bought it digitally. Oh, mm. uh, mine is the Sanford Green cover, uh, artist of Runaways. I got all the covers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Colleen Coover. Cool. I don't. Even, I don't even know who my cover is. Um, I'm going to say there's a chart in the back. There's oh, there is handy there is. dandy chart. Oh, there is. Okay, so here we go. Wait, I'm looking at my chart right now. Um, the image all the way in the back of Betty holding up the dress artwork in this is just amazing. Yeah. Uh, Tanya Del Rio. There you go. There's it, a Mike Norton there cover. There is. It doesn't have a pug in it, though. There's a Francesco Francavilla cover. Yes. There is. <laughs> uh, I really like the Robert Hack cover a lot. I think that cover's great. Yeah. Um, the Chips and RC cover is awesome, obviously. Uh, I like the T-Rex cover. And the Marone Perez one is, is great as well. Um, and I love the teaser image for the Chicken book more than burgers but mostly burgers yeah. i think it's a great tagline for the book um i wonder if chip came up with that one uh all right so let's get our let's get our uh our listeners reactions to archie um i gotta find our my twitter can actually load up here um well this is not lo- enough cats 
from Crazy Cat Lady 83. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not about cats, but how did you like that picture I sent you, Stephanie? I, I laughed. I just sent it to like six other people. <laughs> so there's this picture. Like, I think he's better looking than uh, Chris Hemsworth. There's this picture I found of Chris Hemsworth next to like a dog, like an Akita. And he looks a lot like the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine it's a very handsome dog. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it, it's really funny. I will, I will, we should put it on the post, Stephanie, so people can see it. Fine. Fine. <laughs> Fine. I'll do that. Um, if I can ever find these tweets, um, let's see here. There we go. Here we go. Here we go. I found our hashtag. <laughs> all right. Um, here we go. Uh, let me go all the way back to the start of all this. We had a lot of feedback for this oh. one. Um, another, another very, very popular one. Way to go, Steve. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all me. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, this is, uh, Benji like the dog. Uh, it says Archie was awesome. Had a real can't hardly wait. Ten things I hate about you vibe. Uh, Tim Vargalish says who knew Archie could be this good without zombies or predators. Um, Logan Rowland says not only uh, is the fourth wall breaking charming, but the silent acting in the background of the panels is incredible. Mark Wade is my favorite writer, and Fiona Staple kills it with art. Her characters are always so expressive. Um, Drew Spayberry says, having actively avoided Archie comics for years, I'm pleased to say that Mark Wade and Fiona Staples have sucked me in to Riverdale. Uh, at Bamber Hill says, Archie number one was quality and well done, but I don't need a high school angst story in my polls. I'd recommend it, but it's not for me. Um, Jason Dunn says, I enjoyed Archie number one a lot more than I expected. I've never read any of the original run, but Fiona Staples' art definitely made it that much more enjoyable. She's quickly becoming my favorite artist. I'm also a huge fan of Mark Wade from his work on Daredevil, so I think that put it over the top for me i'm in for issue number two uh brad pinder who's at the brad pinder said i have never read an arch comic of any type i was not expecting what this was and i really enjoyed it great hook and smooth art uh at liberal bastion says uh mark wade fiona staples really liked it good introduction to the characters hopefully get a few younger kids reading uh ross aftermath says arch number one was a great reintroduction love the starting point if fiona staples art is wonder balls can't wait more <laughs> can't wait for more from this team uh chris who's at Huge Tiny Mistake, says, well, I thought Archie Number 1 was decent, but did not care for the soap opera feel. Won't pick it up again. Uh, at Joe State DX says, Archie Number 1 was fun, lighthearted, and refreshing. Art is not far off from Saga, so it felt familiar. Uh, Jughead for the win. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Sammy Cassell says, as a fan of the original Archie comics and remembering the true innocence of it, I like the updated look and feel here. Um, at Giant Monsters Attack says, liked all the great high school TV show and movies. Archie number one made me want to be an American school. Oh, like all great high school TV shows uh, and movies. Uh, Archie number one made me want to be an American school kid in a non-pervy way. Um, <laughs> Derek Santiago says, the Archie reimagining was well done. It was long overdue to see this happen. Uh, some guy named Hugh Perry, who's H underscore uh, pause, says, uh, best high school drama since Sweet Valley High. Great fun with ton tons of heart and gorgeous art. I'm on board. But nice the real question here is, which does he like better, Sweet Valley High or the Babysitter's Club? Hugh, you should definitely ring in and let us know. What do you like yeah. more, Sweet Valley High or the Babysitter's Club? For everybody, <laughs> let us know what you like more, Sweet Valley High or the Babysitter's Club. I'm more in for Babysitter's Club, I, got, I have to say. Um, little little yeah. uh, side note, uh, Raina Talgemeyer, who wrote Smile, is also the... Uh, author and artist of the Babysitter's Club uh, comic book series oh, for really? Scholastic. Oh. <laughs> uh. um, 
Dan Sims says, really love what they did with Jughead and made him more of a, a puckish character than a goofball. Um, I, I almost said something else for puckish, yeah. so that's good that I realized what I was saying. Um, Joe Show Comics Show says, I thought it was great. The right amount of CW drama makes it fun of classic Archie. Four out of five. Um, Hubert, who's at Stimuli File, perfect modern take on Archie. Fiona Staples slays on art. I wish my wife would hurry up and read this already because she'd love it. Um, Chase, Carol Channing Tatum says, it was great as expected. Can't wait to see them introduce the rest of the River, Riverdale mainstays. Kudos to Fiona Staples. It finally makes some sense that Betty and Veronica would want to date him in the first place. Um, <laughs> now, can, now can Archie Comics make the Josie and the Pussycats pick? Fiona Staples did a while back available for purchase. Sigh. I have that hanging on the yeah. wall. Yeah. I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. <laughs> I, always, I always know Mark Wade will get to the heart of the characters he writes and bring something new to the table. Archie number one was great. That's Jesse Johnston, sorry. Uh, George Alexander says, freaking loved Archie. Wade really knows how to write young people, plus the art by Fiona is sublime. Issue two can't come soon enough. Uh, Emmer- use <laughs> and Maria Norris says, liked Archie number one a lot. Art is fabulous, but it's Fiona Staples, so of course it is. However, I still have the same issues I had with old Archie. Rivald- Riverdale may look diverse now, but everything still revolves around the white heterosexual characters. Hopefully this will change going forward. Um, and we got some feedback on the forums as well. Which, oh. uh, Sorry, go ahead, Stephanie. Also, Hugh says, Sweet Valley High, all about the twins. <laughs> I think Hugh's wrong. So, sorry, Hugh. <laughs> Hugh, those are fighting words. <laughs> you don't let him sass you like that. He's going to be here in October, man. Look out. <laughs> um, Angel Cakes 83 says uh, I haven't read very much or any Archie but I loved it the characters are really believable and approachable and the art was gorgeous I liked Archie Betty and Jughead for various reasons but I think I liked most that the re- they're regular teenagers who are a bit self-involved but they genuinely care about each other and show it the eight-page reprint of the first Archie comic at the back was unexpected delightful bonus um, and Pacino on the forum says thought it was decent won't be going back to it because I really don't care about the soap opera feel all right. Thank you so much, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope that they get rid of that really incestuous relationship between... Oh, the twins? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the brother and sister? Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, the incest twins? I can't remember <laughs> their names right now. Cheryl Bloss? Yes, yes. Um, they do some really fun, weird stuff with, though, in Afterlife with Archie. So, um, all right. So, it's my turn to pick, I believe, for, for Book of the Week for next week. And I have some ideas, but I want to run them by everybody before right. we jump okay. in here. So, my first idea... Because, listen, it's finally happening. This week marks the end yeah. of Matt Fraction and David Aja's oh, Hawkeye. Oh, wow. Right. That's Hawkeye right. Hawkeye number 22 comes out this week. Um, I would love for us to talk about it. Um, Stephanie, I don't know if you had kept up on it eight, I'm not caught up. 25 months ago when the last issue came out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I can't imagine you probably have that many issues to read that, that, you, that you haven't read, but... Uh, so there was that. I'd love to talk about that. But again, we can talk about for someone else's book of the week or something n- next week if we don't talk about that. Uh, the other one I was thinking of was Island Number 1, which is the new Brandon Graham uh, series from Image, which will sure to be really weird. I mean, I think in terms of inclusiveness, mm-hmm. that Island would be a better bet because we don't know how many people are still on board. I also don't know how much the, the time lapse will sour opinions. Well, that's why it's interesting to talk about. Because but it, I think that we're going to have that discussion anyway. Well, I, I'm saying, but, but our, our yeah. listeners as well might want to have that discussion. I, I think for, for terms of inclusiveness mm. that uh, the number one island would be the better choice. Bob? I'd probably come down on the side of Hawkeye. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, just because it is something I, people I, really I, loved and then mm. hated. Right. Stephanie, what, what, what's your vote? I'm going to go for um, Hawkeye, I think. I see what's going on here. (laughs) You didn't even look at Siege, which was Kieran Gillen and Felipe Andre. I know, but it's another um, Secret Wars tie-in, so that's why I I didn't want to go with it. Fair enough. I just thought those were like up your alley. They're definitely up my alley, and I will read Siege, but (laughs) I'm trying to... Not always keep, to keep it. There was a different dog fight to fair, review that fair. book this week. We had like four different people. Siege. On it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it was. It's a very like, um, cults like of like kind of event thing that they did, and plus I think it's pulling in a lot of what Gillen did with Sword after uh, Siege with Abigail yes. Brand and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that was a very it was like six issues that thing ran for. But people like one of the things that people really love. So I think that's probably why. Um. So we'll do Hawkeye then. We'll do Hawkeye number twenty two. Okay. Um, the end of Matt Fraction and David Aja's run on the character. We're already three issues into the new series, yeah, <laughs> which Mon Perez. Uh, but it's finally happening. Apparently, it like showed up on Marvel Unlimited. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, before it came out. <laughs> really? Yeah. So some people have read it already on our forums. Some people were talking about it. So uh, we'll do, we'll do Hawkeye number twenty-two for our Talking Comics book of the week. Um. Yeah, and we'll t- we'll talk about that. So that's what we're gonna do for 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 next week. Uh, all right, let's run down this movie news real quick before we get out of here from San Diego, because um, we don't talk about it, people will will kill us. They'll riot. Um, okay, the, okay, the, they aren't. They were actually okay. I admit it. Fine. Okay, let's go. <laughs> what was actually okay? All of them. All of them. I actually want to see the DC movies. Fine. I admit it. The <laughs> world's ad- exploded. You admitted it. Bye. Uh, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about uh, the known quantity, something we've seen before already. We got, uh, they premiered a new trailer for Batman vs. Superman at Comic-Con and released it immediately afterwards, which I have a feeling next year that's going to be the thing that happens all the time because this all this stuff leaks out and then people watch it on cell phone cameras and then critique cell phone yeah i'm cameras. surprised that we haven't had that we don't have the deadpool trailer yet yeah me too but ryan reynolds tweeted about it. he said he did that's three why weeks like, oh okay well yeah all right he said there's effect shots in there that aren't finished so they don't want to release it okay um we'll get it though we'll get it um so let's talk about the batman versus superman trailer um you know combine a, what, what we what we think about this trailer compared to what we thought about the last trailer are we less excited more excited exactly the same steve um okay i didn't expect to go first i (laughs) i think it was a better trailer than the first one even though i did like the first one um i'm excited to see it i am i'm excited to see it i i think there's a a couple of head scratching uh things i think it's curious that instead of a movie being about light and dark we're getting dark and darker but i do when we were talking about the movie in concept before we knew what was going on i very 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 much like that it's dealing with the consequences of the of superman's actions in the first man of steel film um directly and it was one of those things where i'm like this needs to be addressed because when that movie ends and he just comes down after the, like the satellite they're like, i don't want you watching me <laughs> and say like, oh he's so hot right now <laughs> like that was not that was not the reaction that i was mm-hmm. expecting like you just decimated all of metropolis uh in the trailer we get to see that bruce wayne was there while that was happening that that scene of him rushing into like the cloud of debris that's a that's a batman thing right there and uh i'm i'm cool with it like i'm still i'm wary of it because it is still it is scott snyder and no um, zach snyder sorry 
It'd be much better off if, if it was Scott, Scott Snyder. Snyder. Very if it was Scott Snyder, I would be very excited. <laughs> yeah. Apologize. Um, I'm a lot. I'm a lot more. Uh, I'm a lot more excited for it than I thought that I would be with each little piece that comes out. I think it's interesting that there's a moment with uh, Ma Kent that could be conceived as just as. Uh, ambiguous and enraging as the first Pa Kent talk. Mm -hmm. It's not ambiguous. It's enraging. (laughs) Okay. Well, she says she says a couple of things that I'm like, that's the part of the trailer that people are going to be talking about. (laughs) So, um, but, and I have my, I have my, my predictions. There's a, uh, there's a scene where Superman, like he rips the doors off of the Batmobile and Batman just stands up and they're looking, I think that's when they're going to, they're going to figure things out in that moment. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, look, I think that this is what I came up with the trailer. I came away thinking the Batman stuff looks good. Um, and I, I think that Ben Affleck's going to do a good job. And I think that, uh, w- whatever Snyder's faults with his Superman storytelling, I think he probably gets Batman a little bit more or a lot more than he gets Superman. Um, I, th- I like the Lex stuff as well. I-, I-, I thought that Eisenberg looks good. I like how smug he is in it. Um, and I, I-, I think that's going to look cool. I mean, we-, we-, we got to see Wonder Woman. We don't get to really see her do much. We get to see her, you know, um, a little bit of action, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit as Diana as well. And that's really it. We don't get much of her. It was cool to see her though. It was definitely really cool mm-hmm. to see her in action. I was excited about that. Um, I, I think that I think that we're lacking for a lot of context for the movie because who is she fighting in, in, in that scene? You have you can't tell who she's fighting yeah. in that scene. Didn't they announce a villain last week? Like aside from Lex, that there's another villain in the film. I don't think they confirmed anything. Mm, I don't remember. Or maybe I won't say because I don't want to confuse. But I don't people. remember. I don't remember. Um, so there was so that, that so there's something. There. I think we're missing some context. Um, and I'm 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 left wondering more when that fight that we see between the two of them happens in the movie. Um, it's near the beginning, if it's near the middle, if it's near the end, I don't know. I, I'm starting to feel like it's going to be in the middle or near the beginning. That's the sense I'm starting to get from it. Uh, I do like the consequences angle that, that they played up in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do not believe for a second that with this this like line that they're putting that oh we oh, we're always going to do this i think when they brought in chris terrio who wrote argo to rewrite the script i think that was probably the major aspect of the rewrite of uh, 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 of that script yeah. that's the feeling i have anyway um that's the stuff i liked about it i still think he doesn't it doesn't he doesn't like superman that that's that's the feeling i get same thing i got from man of steel and it's just the feeling i get like he the things that he wants to emphasize about superman are not the things that i want to see in a superman movie that's just that's just me you know and i came around being like ma kent is an asshole like that's what i came up from the when I watched yeah. the trailer i was like it's like that does not i mean look i mean i understand i wanted to protect her son but it just seems like a weird thing to say again that section of the movie I, i'm probably gonna have a lot of problems the with. kent parents have been a little odd in these movies yes it it, it does not there are They're things like, I, fuckers. Exactly. I think yeah. it's interesting that it looks like we're about to have another Superman movie where we're trying to like we're scratching to find the good and we're trying to justify who he is in our society. I just thought that we we might have corrected a little bit of that in this one, but it doesn't look like it. Here, here's my thing. And I'll say this right now. I, don't, I mean, I want to belabor a lot of points about it. My thing is that I don't have any problem with them addressing the people of the world having a problem with Superman. My issue is that they, the people of the world, have a justifiable right to have a problem with Superman, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's the problem. That's that's this disconnect for me from the story, and that's what I think. 
I feel like half of this movie I think I'm really going to like, and half of the movie I'm going to have a huge problem with. That That's what it feels like to me. Mm-hmm. Now, but I will say this, before I saw this trailer, I didn't think that there was going to be half of a movie that I was going to like, so I am more excited about the movie than I was before I saw this trailer. That's my feelings on it. Bob? Thought Ben Affleck looked great. Mm-hmm. Thought that moment that Steve talks about where he's mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. Metropolis when this goes on is a very, very affecting moment. Mm-hmm. The Ma Kent thing is awful. Her line, I, I don't have it copied exactly, but you you don't owe this world a thing, son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, stop. <laughs> I mean, that's just a, a lie. He right. owes everything that's to right. this world. Well, that's that's the whole, at, at the end of the, the, the Man of Steel mm-hmm. miniseries, that's that panel from issue four. Mm-hmm. It's a full page shot of, you know, I, I would, I'll, I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but it's a whole page worth of stuff I read months and months ago. <laughs> you know, everything I am, I owe to the earth and having mm-hmm. landed in Kansas and America and mm-hmm. these people. I could sing the songs of Krypton and name all the gods, but I'm an earth man. Mm-hmm. No. Someone who loves Superman says that, and that's Byrne or mm-hmm. Wade or mm-hmm. everybody else over the years. So that's a problem. Uh, I think the Batman stuff looked good. It was a lot of fun to see Wonder Woman on the screen. Mm-hmm. But as you talk about people having trouble with Superman... Why are they then embracing him and holding him up as a god and, and drawing their stuff on his shirts? Right. And why are they acting like that mm-hmm. if he just wrecked your city? Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a divide, and that's yeah. going to be one of I the things well. in the movie. Yeah. There, are, there are believers, yeah. and the the idea that he's, you know, a god. Like, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, the imagery alone in him coming down from the sky and the we've woman reaching all, up when we've, she's... We've done all that Christ stuff in the first movie, and too. I, yeah. there's going to be more of it, yeah. I'm venturing a guess. So that's my, my yeah. I have the same issues. You know, the, the Superman stuff still looks off to me, very much so. Um, but, and I will say this, I thought that the saving grace of the trailer for me, honestly, was Jeremy Irons as Alfred. When he has that last line where he's like, you're going to go to war, he's yeah. not our enemy. Like, that was yeah. like, I'm like, there's like yeah. a voice of reason here. Yeah. But I think that they made a good, like, I, the trailer makes a good case why Bruce is going after him, you know? And I like that about it. Like, I, I, I that part I like, you know, it's just the Superman stuff I'm not, Keen on. Yeah. Stephanie, what, what did you think of the trailer? Wonder Woman wasn't a disaster. <laughs> there you go. Um, no, legit. I was like, Gal Gadot, girl, you clean up. Girl, you like rocked that shit. Yeah. And then I was reading Phil Jimenez's tweet where um, he was addressing uh, people talking about, it's like, who's she fighting? Who's she going after? And then he's like, well, my two cents I hope she's not going after anyone. I hope she's breaking those idiots up. <laughs> oh, it's true. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. That's, and I was like, point. yeah. That's a good point. A, yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And I thought she looked great. I thought she kicked ass. She had that fierce face down. Yeah. And yeah. I watched a gif of her like stabbing something like 15,000 <laughs> times. So I was like, you get him, girl. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Um. I actually really enjoyed the trailer. I I don't know if I'm still 100% like I'm, I'm going to watch it now. I'm and I'm actually excited for it. I I have hope that it will be good. I have hope that Wonder Woman will be good. Um I I don't know like I hope that the things from that I hated about Man of Steel are amended here. Um and the trailer gave me hope for that. Um aside from Mom Pa Gent being like some serious dicks <laughs> like ma and pa kent seriously um a lot of people are going to ship you bags of dicks like you know the, those like anonymous ship your enemies glitter and mm-hmm. they also have ship your enemies bags of dicks like you deserve all of them do they really have that yes oh wow yeah. <laughs> and ma and pa kent i know pa you're now dead but it was really your own fault 
Um, you guys deserve bags of dicks. Uh, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> We're of all of two minds <laughs> about it. Um, but yeah, you know, I there's a shot. Again, all like the like the the dour Superman stuff usually is not my thing. The one time it works for me, and this is why I still was talking with Justin about this. Why the him always being angry or always being sad, seemingly because we it's a trailer. I want to say it's a trailer, but you can only judge what they're selling the movie on yeah. right at this point. Is that the one person who makes him that way is Lex? He's the one person who makes like his code go to the edge, you know. And the scene where he's like like bowing in front of Lex. He has that look on his face. I'm like, right. that's the that's the time where that look yeah. plays to me because he he knows this guy is rotten to the core, but he can't do anything about it. And I I love that kind of play between between those two characters. Um, good to see Holly Hunter in something too. I don't know. I don't remember the last yeah. time I saw her in something. Um, so it's pretty cool. Uh, Suicide Squad. Yes. Um, so Suicide Squad. Uh, they showed Comic Con footage. No plan to release it. It leaked everywhere. Warner Brothers released a statement basically saying, shame on you people for leaking this footage, but we're going to put it out anyway because we want people to see, not to judge it off of shaky footage. Oh, please. Yes, please. Oh, oh God. We're so absolutely baffled that this (laughs) was leaked. Oh, my God. This has never happened in all the years that people having cameras at things. Yeah, I know. Everybody that works at DC is like 80 years old. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Stephanie, what did you think of the Suicide Squad stuff? Legit loved it. <laughs> uh, also, legit enjoyed being like, "Oh, I work there. Oh, I used to work there. Oh, wow, look, I work there. Wow, like Young Street. There's like all these places." And then I, I, I full on expected to loathe the portrayal of Harley, uh, despite I like uh, what's Margot Robbie, Robbie. Uh, Margot Robbie, Robbie? Mm-hmm. Margot yeah. Robbie, yeah. Um, I loved the intro to her with her in the sell like doing silks Mm -hmm. i thought that was perfect i loved her look i thought she was spot on i was so pleasantly surprised even that bit where you know she has the baseball bat and she does it yeah that's my favorite part yeah Yeah. (laughs) and i was like they nailed harley um don't really care about everyone else at this point. Carol Delevingne looked pretty cool, despite the fact that, like, she's Enchantress, right? Yeah. Yes. What the shit is she doing? What's happening? I don't know why she's why in, is she in a cave. Yeah. Why is she spelunking? I don't know. What's I, going on? I think that has to do with her origin story. Yeah, I think so too. But I have no I idea. I think that's dumb. <laughs> um, but I do think Harley's great. The Joker looked ridiculous. I still think he looks so stupid, and I didn't necessarily enjoy the little snippet they gave us. Like, I know that was supposed to be like the, the, you know, post credit scene of a, the trailer being like, Oh, here you go. And I was just like, I liked everything about this trailer except for this. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. Steve, I know that you loved it. You tweeted all I about was, it. Yeah. I, I couldn't <laughs> shut up. I've watched that trailer at least 20 times, if not more. I, I love every frame of it. I really do. I love every frame of it. I'm so, so, so excited. Uh, the portrayal of Harley, like Steph was saying, is fantastic. It's fantastic. I was actually I got into a Facebook thing with an uh, an old high school friend of mine, where he was saying that he doesn't he doesn't hear the Harley voice and he doesn't know whether or not that's a good or bad thing. I don't think that it's going to be a constant, 
but I definitely hear it. Oh yeah, sometimes. And she it. said yeah. she's doing it too. Yeah, we, yeah. Like like oh, I hope you have insurance. Like okay, maybe not there. Yeah. But when she's standing up against the wall, she's blowing the bubble gum, yeah. and he has uh, one of the uh, I think boomerang or somebody asks yeah. her a question, and she leads forward. She goes, huh? I was like, oh <laughs> my god, like right I out of the, the insurance line. She's like, I hope you have insurance. Like she yeah. sounds like that. I think she looks <laughs> uh, amazing. Her hanging in the cell. There's like a there's like a quick little shot of her like opening up her mouth like a like a lion's roar. She's snapping her mm. teeth at a, the Joker inside of the car. Uh, I like that if you break like I broke it down like frame by frame because they do that thing in the middle where it's like a montage of a bunch of different mm-hmm. stuff. And it looks like I didn't know when this movie was coming out whether or not they were going to even address the Joker and Harley relationship. But there's shots of them of Doctor Harleen Quinzel. And Joker, without all of his stuff, he's got like a little bit of a goatee scruff and he's in like a nice collared shirt and they're going to do it. They're going to do the history of them. He straps her down to a... Well, I'm pretty sure that ending shot is him doing something to Harley. He straps her down to a table and he's about to, he's about to shock her uh, with the electrodes because you see the the belts in her mouth Mm -hmm. and all these things. And that's presumably of where she gets, you know, she turns and her Mm -hmm. psychosis goes all over the place, but... Um, I'm petrified at the idea of them doing it because I know for a fact that their relationship has, for the vast majority of it, always been a very abusive one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that's going to play in modern times. And, and it's it's canon. It can't be ignored. Mm-hmm. Yes, she eventually moves past it and kicks him to the curb and is now like her own thing and, and all this stuff. And it, but it took a long time to get there, mm-hmm. but I have, I don't want to, not that any of my predictions, cause the movie doesn't even exist yet, but I have a couple of ideas as to how that might play out. And it plays out the way that I think it's going to, I think it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And I hope that people have the patience and the, and the confidence in their ability to do that. Cause the movie, the movie looks awesome. Like that's a great trailer. Um, and Viola Davis, yeah, at the at the start when she's like, you know, what did you do? And she's like, I, I, you know, I built a hole and I threw away the hole. Mm-hmm. That is an awesome, awesome line. Yeah, she's so menacing and cold, and she reminds me of the animated yeah, yeah, version yeah. of mm-hmm. Amanda Waller. Like, Amanda Waller is mean. Yeah. Oh yeah. And she's mean in that trailer. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know the the just the overall presentation of it, the attitude of it. It's got kind of this like the Warriors vibe going for it as far as like the ensemble cast. Croc looks way better moving around with good lighting than just standing in like, you know, a chorus line of villains mm-hmm. where he looked like one of the like a uh, Goomba escape from the old Super <laughs> Mario Brothers <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah, totally. But like the light coming out on him, the kind of Hannibal Lecter like suit that they have him in, the mouthpiece to cover his jaws, like all of that stuff really really worked uh for me he doesn't look like the lizard from amazing (laughs) spider-man and uh i just i'm so i had a feeling about this like when this was announced a couple months ago and we were talking about all this stuff and i said i'm gonna keep my eyes from what i've seen so far this is like one of my most anticipated comic book movies it's probably my most anticipated of next year for sure um yeah i mean for me linking this back to those batman superman trailer i did not expect that joker stuff which i assume is joker stuff in the batman superman trailer when he opens that piece of paper and it says you let your family die yeah that looks like joker writing to me mm-hmm. and uh, you know you see, you see the suit as well it says the joke's on you batman yeah um again 
bringing it over, to, linking it to this, which I thought yep. was cool. Um, and you see Batman in the trailer. He's on. He's like on, he's on top, top of the car. On top yeah. of the car, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, for me, I thought the trailer was really neat. It looks bonkers. There's all of those people in, like the weird mask, the eyeball head, and like the weird like bat manga mask. The one guy's wearing all the that goat kind of head stuff. Mask. The goat head mask. That stuff looks cool. And I, but I will say, 100% for me, Viola Davis makes that trailer for me. Yeah. The way the trailer starts out with her sitting there and she's eating that steak, and yep. she's just like, matter of fact, like, and she's, she's the ruler of that room, you know, when, and she's sitting at the table with that general and whoever else she's with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that when she says, getting people to work against their best, their best interest is what I do yeah. for a living. Like, I, that's fantastic. Um, I think she's going to bring such a presence to, to the movie that's going to that gonna be kind of the thing that grounds it and makes it, I think is the dichotomy to all this craziness that's happening on the mm-hmm. side. Um, the anchor, the anchor. Exactly. You know, we get very little Will Smith stuff here, but what we get, I think looks interesting. We get, we get like some movie star shots of him, you know, the, Let, let's go save the world. It Let, looks like there's yeah. going to be like <laughs> some, some heart in it though, from, from his, uh, story. Well, yeah. Will well, Snippets. Deadshot is a, is not a like completely like, um, horrible character. You know, he mm-hmm. has like a, uh, he, he he is a bad guy, but he has you know he skirts the line. He skirts the line, you know. Uh, he has, but he's not a bad guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I thought it looked great. I mean, what do you think, Bob? I had little interest in seeing it until seeing this trailer. It is nuttier than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a straight ahead action mm-hmm. shoot 'em up. Uh, yeah, who cares? I've seen plenty of those. Those crazy masks certainly uh, Harley. It sold me on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Joker nearly took me out of it at the end. I do have to say, I'm not thrilled with that. Yeah, my jury's still out on him. But we'll see how it plays in a movie yeah. as opposed to seeing 12 seconds. Mm-hmm. But I'm in. I'll mm-hmm. go see this yeah. now. I liked his, I liked his voice mm-hmm. a lot. I liked that laugh. The la- <laughs> yeah, the laugh was good. <laughs> yeah. Like the laugh. I still think, like, I think he looks like he's was created by a 13 year old insane clown posse fan. Like that's what it looks like to me, you know, um, good Charlotte, good Charlotte. Yeah, 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 he, does. Yeah. he looks like the lead singer of good Charlotte, which like that's or again, as my friend Danny said, DeviantArt vomited on him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's too on the note. The problem with me is it's too on the nose for the Joker to me. You know, it's too on the nose. Like I'm fucked up. Like that's what it feels like to me. And like, I don't like that about it. But again, if even if I don't like the look, if the performance is great, I'll be like, oh, I didn't like the look, but Jared Little was awesome. Like that, yeah. That's what will happen. I think he has enough of the crazy mm-hmm. to sell it. Like I've, I've talked to a couple of people, um, and pardon me that I don't, I, I talked to a lot of people about this trailer when I was going on my tweet barrage, but somebody was saying how they were, they were sold on him and, and like already more so than, than Heath Ledger's mm-hmm. Joker, because like even in those moments, that was the Joker that he's imagined for film. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's going to work for, you know, oh, yeah. a lot of people. And um, like I said, I'm still undecided, but I'm op- optimistic. Jared Leto seems like he's he's a rock star, and he's mm. and he's a he's an actor that I think that if they're going to go at that angle, at least somebody get somebody who knows the world, and he knows that world. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna do like a punk rock Joker. Might as well get somebody <laughs> who you know more or less deals in rock. And he's an awesome actor. He's just a fantastic actor. So I, he can do it. I just, I just, that's the only part of me that was kind of iffy about that trailer, but everything else, I think it looks crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm yeah. excited to see what it is. And, and I think it's one of the cases of picking the right tone for the right, um, 
the right yes. characters, which I think is great. Um, all we need now is King Shark next time. Suicide yes. Squad too. Oh, that would be so great. <laughs> yeah. That would be so great. How, like, they, uh, one of the things really quick before we move on that I liked when you're saying the general was sitting around mm. the table and he brings up the concept of them having abilities. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to start, especially with the, I think Enchantress, that's why there was like an emphasis on her character, a couple of snippets yeah. of her stuff. Um, like she's sitting in this murky pool with like this like tall grass coming it's like out a grave. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's going to be weird and paranormal mm-hmm. and abilities and powers and mm-hmm. they're starting to delve into that. And if this is supposed to be like gritty and grounded, I'm curious as to how they're going to start to work in the idea of superpowers into their DC yeah. universe. I mean, it doesn't look grounded to me at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. that's the thing, which is what I think is great about it. All these crazy What do you characters. mean? Killer Crocs run around everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I am excited about that one. Got flushed on the toilet as a baby. Uh, there were two other ones that, that came out, both from Fox, that weren't released officially. Um, I've seen leaks of both of them. I don't know. If, Steve, I know you've seen them. I saw a screen and a half of yeah. Deadpool. And uh, I did. I, I watched a even crappier version <laughs> of the X-Men Apocalypse stuff. Right. Did you see any of them, Bob? No. no. Seven, did you see any of the leak stuff? No. Okay. Um, really quick, uh, you know, because they were bad versions, and I, you know, you can't get the full sense. I think Deadpool looks fucking awesome. Like, I think it's going to like. I, I think that movie is going to be gigantic. I think that. Um, I think that the studio it took a lot from them to make the film. It took leaking. And Brian Reynolds said it when he was up on stage. He goes, he goes, you know. Because a year ago, some fucking asshole leaked the footage uh, online, <laughs> and that's the only reason we're here. That's what he said wow. on, on his on his panel, uh, and and so uh, you know that stuff got leaked, and they finally made the studio make it. I don't think they realize how popular the character is, and I think it's going to play for both comic and not comic fans. I think that the comedy aspect of it is going to put it over the top yeah. in, in a lot of ways, and I think the 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 real looked fantastic to me. Uh, Reynolds looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, the the weird aesthetic, the, the you know the, the the crazy humor. I think it all is going to play really well. Negasonic teenage warhead. Negasonic <laughs> teenage warhead. Yeah, I think all that's going to work really well. What the shit? That <laughs> name is awesome. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, and I I'm really excited about that movie. I, and I think that Ryan Reynolds has been playing it perfectly too, as far as like forward facing w- w- online and stuff like that. Yeah him hitchhiking to comic-con or whatever which i thought was really funny <laughs> it's funny i've been getting um because of my job with joe blow uh one of my co-workers has been kind of on the ground floor of covering that movie he's been to all of the behind the scenes mm. stuff the set visits and all that thing so i've been getting emails of little snippets here and there of stuff that they're doing with the movie and he is really pumped for it with mm. the stuff that he's seen i haven't gotten too many specifics because of embargoes and mm. stuff like that but um it looks i have a feeling that that's going to be one of those movies that the trailer isn't going to sell me, but the movie will. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It looks to be really funny. Um, we're getting into into humor, though. I'm a very, very difficult person to please with humor that I think when I see it in its final product and I'm in that mode and in that mood in the comedy, like it's going to be joke after joke because mm-hmm. that's what Deadpool mm-hmm. is. I can't wait to see what they do in terms of addressing the audience mm-hmm. and what they're going to do to break the fourth wall in that movie because they're yeah. totally going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the action looks good. It's rated R. I know. It's rated R. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and I, there was a fan poster they put up, which I don't, I didn't, uh, it's not real, but it was great. It was his picture and it said, from the studio that ruined Deadpool, <laughs> Deadpool, 
no X-Men, no Avengers, no fucking problem was the, was the tagline for Roger that, which is awesome. That's so great. Um, and I thought what I saw of the X-Men thing was horrible. The, 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 Thank you. Good. I was, I the, was, you know, the filming of it. Yeah. The actual footage, I think, looked really cool. All right. All right. Now. You don't think it looks good? No. You're fucking crazy, man. Get your X-Men confirmation bias out of here. Okay? I need I need a decent trailer of that because what I saw was was not good. Did not interest me. You, I mean, the half a screen you were watching. Yeah, it was really bad, <laughs> and it was it was hard for me to hold on to to because I'm already everybody already knows that I'm not really a huge fan of the X-Men movies. Something about them they've never been what I want them to be, and this is this so far from the the shitty thing that I watched online. That's not going to be the thing to kind of bring me over to the other side. I needed what they did with Suicide Squad, where they were like, "All right." You know, you you know what it is. You've been watching it for the last half day. Here's the real one. I wish they would just do that with this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I understand the exclusivity, and you got to give like the people in Hall H. People go through hell to be in that room. Mm-hmm. Some overnights, the whole bit, and they deserve to be rewarded for their patience and, and for their fandom and stuff like that. But after that, show it show it to the yeah. people. It's only going to get you more buzz. It's only going to get more people talking about it. I don't want to see. You know, some guy, some video blurry photo from half of a guy's coat, like that's that sucked. Yeah, well, you don't have to watch it though. No one's making you watch it. Somebody sent me an email saying, you "Oh, know, yeah, you have to click that link on the email." <laughs> yep, we're gonna be talking about these things. I want to have knowledge because knowledge is power. Storm has a mohawk. That looked good. I'm very excited about that. I'm surprised. I'm not more excited about. Um, I can't, I don't know her name. The girl from Game of Thrones, Sophie Turner. Jean- yeah. It felt weird. I don't know if if I I can't get. I'm not over her being her Game of Thrones character yet. I need to I need to see the movie to kind of take me away from that. So I don't know, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna be harsh when it comes to the X Men stuff. I'm overjoyed though. If I take anything away from the trailers, is that Suicide Squad trailer did everything for me. So cool. Hooray! Awesome. Um, and this is great photo of everybody from suicide squad <laughs> uh, uh. but i will say the trailer that won the day for me really cool when i talk about it was ash versus the walking dead did you watch that trailer for yes that oh my god no. that looks so good stars tv show with bruce campbell is playing ash again yeah. looks awesome um anyway that's gonna that's that's it for our, our comic-con stuff um if you guys want to get in touch with us it's uh at talking comics on twitter facebook.com slash talking comics and podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com is the email address um, you can go to talkingcomicbooks.com for all of our reviews, columns, and our bevy of podcasts. The Misfits with Stephanie Cook, Melissa Megan, and Mara Wood. Stephanie, you weren't on this week, but Star Trek was the topic, correct? Correct. All right. Awesome. Um, talking Movies, uh, Brian Verderosa, Chris Oliphant, and Nick Scalia. They finished up their, their, their Spike, Lee, um, uh, Spike Lee unit with a Bamboozled from 2000. So they're moving on. Next week, they're going to review Trainwreck. Um, and then they're going to move on to a new series. Uh, we got talking games, Steve say, Jackie Turner, uh, Rob Newmeyer and Justin Townsend. What's going on this week, Steve? Unfortunately, it has been a sad week for video games. Uh, the president of Nintendo has passed away at 55 years old mm-hmm. wow. from complications from a, uh, tumor on his bile duct. Yeah. Um, so in honor of, uh, Iwata-san, we are actually going to do kind of a, favorite uh games and pastimes of nintendo brand games and characters cool 
um, in addition to talking about uh, what we've played this week and stuff like that, that new RC soccer car game. Rocket League. Rocket League. Uh, probably a little bit more Batman. We think we're getting to the, the end of our rope with the Batman talk, but there'll be at least another week or two of it because people are finishing it up. Mm. I'm about an hour away from, from being done. And uh, we'll see we'll see what happens with that rotating chair that we got going on now. Bob might come back. He was great last week. And uh, I don't know, man. Cool. We'll see. I'm, I'll look forward to hearing the Awadasan stuff. I, it was a very sad day for me on Sunday when I heard I that. I didn't know what was going on. I was so sad. I was scrolling through my feed and I'm like, I'm, what? Yeah. Like, I, like, I just saw him. Yeah. Like, I just saw this past E3 in the mm-hmm. videos. Yeah. He had a puppet made of him and everything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Yep. And then, of course, there's all this artwork flying around of, like, all these Nintendo characters crying, mm-hmm. and Aww. I'm just like, this is really, really hard. Yeah. It's usually, like, Kirby's usually like, yay! Yeah. And now he's just like, yeah. Tough it's stuff, Very man. sad, yeah, very sad. Uh, Talking Valiant w- w- with Adam Shaw, and check out our special edition of Feed as well. Um, if you want to get in touch with us personally, I am at Bobby Shortall on Twitter. Steve? I am at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie? I'm at Hello Cookie. I'm Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right, and uh, make sure you guys go to check out the uh, the Patreon. Uh, check it out. See if you want to patronize us um, in the good way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, we get plenty of the other kind of patronizing uh, all on our own uh, for free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, check out our shop as well. If there's anything there that, that you'd like to to buy, and uh, make sure you go to the forums and comment uh, on all the websites. But that's gonna do it uh, for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve, bye bye, Bob. Pluto's a planet. I don't care what they say. And Stephanie. I agree. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>